Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Exotics. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin and Markland and I create the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit thereptilereport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is it's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our buy it now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the Marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad. It also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buying or selling? Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live, on-time, arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit thereptilereport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder, then visit shipreptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related. Episode of Morelia Python Radio tonight. We are talking with Lon Dykesler. Um, I don't think he actually has a snake company, but Lon deals with uh, a lot of bloods and short-tailed pythons. 
and that's what mm. we're going to be talking about. Um, as of recent, though, he has caught the carpet python bug. So, uh, and Juan has... is the only place where our two bloodlines shall meet. I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah. This yeah. is true. Your high end will be my scum. So, uh, <laughs> just, just the way that goes there. So, yeah. So apparently, Blog Talk has a fancy new system here, and uh, so we have no idea what's going on. Please bear with us, is what Eric's trying to say. Yeah, um, hopefully <laughs> we uh, we don't have any issues, but uh, but uh, so far so good. <clears throat> um, let's see what's going on. Uh, we're gonna in the world for Lon, <laughs> and as we wait for Lon to get on here, mm-hmm. um, I'm. I think, uh, yeah, here I got the info. Uh, it is uh, official that the Northwest Carpet Fest is going Woo. to be September 12th. Nice. September 12th. Nice. Uh, looks like uh, Doug Taylor will be hosting it again, and that's uh, in mm-hmm. Mill Creek. Uh, and Amy, um, Amy will, uh, I hate when my phone buzzes. <laughs> Distracts me. <laughs> You're texting Eric. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. Um, uh, I'm trying to pull up her her uh, email. I believe it's Amy. Do you have that in front of you? You probably don't. Not Do really. You? No. No. Okay. I, I don't I'll get it by the. You don't have anything in front of you. What kind of co-host I are ne- you? I never Good pay. Lord. I never pay attention. What are we doing? Where am I? <laughs> uh, let's see i have it i'll have all the information on carpetfest.homestead.com but it is um here we go uh amy uh k-e-n-o-y so it's a-i-m-e-e-k-e-n-o-y-e-r at gmail.com She's okay. going to be doing the uh, putting everything together. So if you mm-hmm. are interested with anything in attending details, uh, I don't know. If you're out west and want to go, if you're yeah. in the east and want to go, if you want to go to the east one and then go to the west one, if you <laughs> want to meet somewhere in the middle and start your own, that's fine. Um, yeah. But the information will all be up as well as I think they're launching, you said, a facebook page soon correct they're gonna they're gonna launch a group yeah they're gonna have a group group. Uh, all the information will go through the carpet fest facebook page so northeast northwest all that will uh will be on that same page so that people don't get confused um and also everything will be on the uh on the website i don't know why i can't get that switched over to carpetfest.net when i look at it on my computer Yeah. Well, well, when I go and I look in to edit the site, it says carpetfest.net. But in order to get to the actual website, you have to put in carpetfest.homestead.com. I don't know if they're like slowly switching it over or what. I don't know. But uh, I don't know. You made any, the, is there an IT? There's like a help thing you can call. Yeah. I waited on the phone for hours for that. But anyway, oh. in more uh, <laughs> of pressing news, how is Jim in Morgantown? Uh, I see that uh, he. No, oh, my father. Yeah, well, you know, he, <laughs> uh, when he was in the Bahamas, being a uh, uh, an agent afloat, he uh, got onto some catamaran and got himself hurt, and 
you know, he comes up to me today and he's like, dude, it looks swollen. I'm like, Jesus Christ. So, you know, long story short, he went over to urgent care and he's fine. He's just an idiot. So <laughs> he will be all right. Okay. So. Okay. Good to hear. Good to hear. Yeah. yeah. Um, in uh, U.S. Arc news, U.S. Arc added the retic and the anacondas to the lawsuit. And he's also Excellent. filed for an extension. Um, Excellent. To see if they can postpone the, um, uh, I guess, when the law would actually take effect. So, mm-hmm. um, awesome. I think, I don't, I don't know how that will go. Um, I'm not really sure. Uh, yeah. Hopefully they would. I don't know. Would it matter? You know, I mean, I guess give people more time to buy a retic that they wanted or give more people time to or at least give them more time to kind of move things around, counteract some stuff. I don't know. So, I wonder if it probably does make a difference somewhere, I guess. So. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. But anywho, they're doing that, which is good. So they're hard at work for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. As far as uh, I had my first clutch uh, on the ground, which is always yep. exciting. It is. Um, it was an albino to a caramel head albino. So repeat pairing. So hopefully this year I oh will get uh, a nice um, albino caramel or AKA sun glow. Um, now, we shall see. Okay. Would a now, now this is a caramel albino cross with just an albino, correct? Yes. So the sunglasses you've been producing are caramel albinos. Yes. What does a super caramel albino look like? Have we done that yet? Uh, yeah, I believe Ollie made that. Okay. I I would be interested it's to see that. Just more intense. And or do that. I mean, what? Yeah. It's more intense. It's just like a caramel. Okay. All right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say you're going to do that or you're going to watch? I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're saying. What? <laughs> I just caught that. As it, uh, kind of went through there. You almost slipped by it. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah, you'll you'll they definitely have a look to them. Um, I have that one holdout, such a horrible feeder, can't get it to eat worth nothing. Bastard. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Hopefully, maybe you know I can produce a couple more of them. And, uh, you know, it's funny away. because the uh, my brettles are breeding right now, and I still got coastals and stuff breeding. So it's like, well, I guess everybody's a spring breeder. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> No idea what's yeah, happening. What, what a strange season this is, man. It's super late. Yeah. It's super, super late. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The only thing going I don't on is the brettles. It's messing me up. So. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird when you have carpets going, or you got brettles going before your carpets. Brettle <laughs> <laughs> legs before, like, you know, the coastal, and be like, this is making no sense. So. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully, uh, I, we did have a bit of bad news. Uh, the clutch that uh, me and Zach were together on, um, we only had two viable eggs out of it. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh. He had, the, I think it was 12 total, and uh, they were all, all slugs. Isn't that a kick in the teeth? 
I know you guys yeah. are looking forward to the stripes in there, so here's hoping for two sets of twins and nothing but stripes. So Yeah. Well, we'll see. I guess there's only next year. It comes along with the territory. I know Zach's kinda beating himself up about it, but it could be the small male. I mean, we did use uh yeah. the, the male was really, really small. Um I, I, I don't know if that would Zach say he was in the shower with his clothes on and that's where we'd find him. <laughs> to, yeah. You know. So Okay. Yeah. Hopefully so, he's still not there. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Um and then, you know, if they come back really nicely striped, uh we'll just do a repeat pairing, that's all. Um Yeah, give the male another year to grow up and see how things roll. Yeah, I know he said he tweaked things a little bit. Um I don't really quite know what he tweaked, but uh I know he didn't do the feed on the warm up. I don't know oh. if that had anything to do with it, you know. I'm like, something I, I swear by. I'm a proponent of the warm them up and then feed them because I've been having pretty good success with the – because uh, I showed you the picture of the one red tiger basking belly up, and she'd eaten uh-huh. like two days before. And I'm like, well, okay, I guess pregnant females will eat. So <laughs> – Yeah, it's it's you. we were talking before the show, and it was kind of a weird season two where – Animals I thought were gravid, uh, yeah, I put in with too. the male, and they were and locked, locked up. up. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, huh? <laughs> Either they <laughs> really enjoy sex, <laughs> yeah. or, or, or more likely, <laughs> we not. have no idea what we're doing. So, right. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, that was pretty interesting. Um, I really believe that I have two more females that uh, I would almost bet are uh, gravid. They had their pre-lay sheds, so I should be looking at uh, eggs from zebrahead albino in a couple weeks and citrus tiger in uh, maybe a week, week and a half. You know what's like thickening? Um, you know who I've seen more locks out of the entire year? Who's that? The Dominican red mountain boas and the Amazon tree boas. So what you're saying, Owen, is that I should read the I pythons and you should breed the boas? I've yeah. somehow become a boa breeder, and now I'm going to kill myself. If you'll excuse me. Um, <laughs> we could corner the market, now. man. No, no, I don't want to do it that way. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. cool. Boas, oh. in my opinion. You know what? You know what boa as of late really has me uh, is a doom rolls boa. Did Ooh. um did did Todd have them uh, boas? I, I don't. He, he has. Had a, uh, he had the um. What did he have? He had some kind of boa. Uh, it, it, see, the problem is, is it looks like a normal red tail to me, and I know there uh-huh. are probably people who were at Todd's table or Todd himself right now is like screaming at the phone. Because I know he, because Todd did say he listens to us when he cleans cages, so he could be throwing something at the phone right now. So <laughs> I have no flipping idea what they were, but they were boas, and I, they went like hotcakes. I can walk around. I think there he, were six of them. Good. I think he works with the same um, boas that um, uh, Matt works with. Hold on, I'm going to look it up. I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's that's what Google's for, my friend. Google Let's is see friend. what. Uh, yeah. You go ahead and talk and tell me about. Uh, All right. Well, 
they, I, he had six of them, and the one he had uh, that was really, really pissed off, and he labeled it as, like, um, look how cuddly and sweet I am. This thing was doing nothing but open mouth hissing at, like, whatever came by. So it looked pissed the entire time. And he had six of them, so they're all there. And then I come back around, like, about two hours later, and all of them are gone except the cuddly one. And they removed the label that said, look how cuddly I am. So I guess they were trying to move him, too. But, yeah, I mean, those boas went. They went quickly. It was it was pretty nice. So, obviously, there's something there. But, again, I can't be a boa breeder. I, I just can't. <laughs> can't be dominated no by my boas? side projects. I love the boas. My boas are cool. The Dominicans, I don't know why I bred them, because apparently I enjoy heartache. But, you know, it's... Uh, Apparently, I enjoy losing my mind trying to raise house geckos. But um, the Amazons, I just I didn't even do anything to them. They've, they've been together in the same cage since I got them. And now all right. of a sudden, they're just deciding that the mood is right, apparently. And uh, talking with Nick, which apparently he's mad at you. Um, Why? Apparently, you, you won't let him on the roundtables here. And... Uh, I will let him on the round tables, but it's kind of hard to argue with the guy that wrote the book. <laughs> I mean, what are That's we all going to do? Just be like, <laughs> I love it because I heaved you under the bus so bad. It was ridiculous. He's like, Eric will let me on the round tables. I'm like, he's a jerk. I'm like, I'm like I don't. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. But he went right under there. It was so fast. But it was like, oh, um, it was like, he's, he's talking to me. He goes, because uh, he and I were talking about how the move may have affected my breeding. And he goes, so the only things that are breeding for you are the things that really don't give a damn and will breed whenever they feel like it. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> all of a sudden now, in one sentence, Nick has like totally defeated me. And it's like, oh, so nothing's going to work this year but the boas. Oh, I hope not. Nice. So it's, you know, we will see. Well, yeah, nice. you should have them on the round um, <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, the thing of it is, is that I was just really looking for uh, a, um, I guess, some more topics. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I know. But, again, I'm just leaving you under a bus. But, um, no, I know. It's nice. It's okay. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, again, I wish I knew more about boas. Because I really know that there was, some, there was something about those boas that was more than just their red tail. So, yeah, I'm finally on their site, but I don't they might not have them listed or something. So. Uh, let's see. It says boas news inventory. Anything? No. No about facility. Oh, there's a cool picture with him with, uh, what's his name, the facility? Yeah, no. I don't know. I guess we'll have to just look like idiots. We'll have to ask Todd, and, and we'll get back to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We will ask Todd, and Todd will be like, they're this boy, you dumbass. And I'll be like, oh, oh, which, by the way, Todd played probably the best joke on me ever because I wasn't paying attention to him. So I okay. got the diamond pythons from Todd from Tinley. And I'm like, send me a picture of the parents and their, you know, the breakdown. He goes, sure. So he sends me the breakdown. Oh, yeah, the story is later, I'm running around like crazy. I'm like, all right. So last night I'm watching a movie. I'm doing whatever. I just cleaned the babies. And I see Todd sends me pictures. He says, here's the mom and dad. And I see, you know, look, and it's like black and yellow snakes. I'm like, cool, thanks, Todd. And he goes, yeah. 
And then I was like, six minutes later, he goes, you sure the pictures are good? And I'm like, yeah, they're fine. And he goes, you sure? And I'm like, yeah. So then I start going, all right, now what's about these pictures? So I pulled them up and I start looking. I'm like, oh, they're in focus. They're ever These things don't look like diamonds, though. And that's when he messaged me saying, I can't let you walk away thinking these are diamonds. These are not the parents of your animals. Please don't post these on the Internet. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> these pictures of jungle diamonds. He's like, yeah, I was hoping you were going to freak out. I'm like, well, I would have if I was paying attention. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Because... And then he said, it was the diamonds. And, you know, then I told him I was going to recycle the joke with you. But you attacked it with more of a, you know, uh, logical standpoint. Like, I sent you the pictures and said, Todd sent me pictures of my diamonds parents. And you're like, well, I would talk to Todd because they don't really look like jungle diamonds. But, <laughs> but if they're getting yeah. fail, I mean, they must be legit. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm like, in your head, you've got to be screaming that these are not right. <laughs> but now you're like, well, they must be legit. <laughs> so. Yeah, I was like, well, it was funny because you sent me the picture and I said, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my head, I went, oh, shit. <laughs> I said, oh, shit. Oh, oh, God damn it. We're about to have some big problems. Yeah. Um, um, thank you, Todd, for, you know, doing that to us as well. Yeah, I said, I said, well, maybe, maybe you should ask them for pics of the grandparents. grandparents. That way, you can see like what actually pairing that they came from. Because I don't know, man, that kind of looks like a jungle diamond to me. Yeah, but so I don't think Todd would lie to you. And if it came from Gary, then that's got to be it legit. Has to be legit. Yeah, yeah, I can't be legit. Can't, can't not be legit. I, I love you know? that you were attempting to make it all legitimate and like, oh no, and I'm like, clearly this is wrong. Why won't you say it's wrong? So it was, uh, it was just one of those funny things. I, and then I didn't want to go. I didn't want to let it go too far. Same thing with Todd. I eventually just told you. So yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, well, you know, I guess I have, uh, I guess my older age, uh, you know, smooths me out a little bit more than you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you would have been like, you know, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, yeah, You've yeah, been yeah. ripped <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. That's why Son I'm like, man, bitch. if I had been paying attention, if I had been paying attention last night, I would have gotten a way better show. The fuck is this? But, you know, I didn't do it. So, yeah. That's all cool, though. Um, yeah. nice joke. I did see the pictures of his boas, but I believe he works with the same kind as Matt. Do you remember what the kind Matt has? I keep forgetting. Nope. <laughs> no. Again, I, it, it's a boa. Clearly, we are not boa people. Really Thank God this is not boa radio. <laughs> yeah, boa constrictor radio. To, we would go to the boa radio show. Sorry. Yeah, we would be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Morelia Python Radio. I know what Morelia <laughs> Matt has. So. Speak, yeah, speaking of Morelia, I don't know if you caught this on Pick of the Week today, but did you Go see – there it goes. Matt's paying attention. South Bye, Brazilian <laughs> Amarilla. Amarilla. It might have been. I, again, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know. I can't. I hope uh, what's his name's okay. I'm gonna have to message him. Zach? No, Lon. Oh. No. <laughs> I mean, we have been ranting and raving for like 20 minutes, and he hasn't called that in. That is yet. true. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear us. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I, mean, I don't even want to. I don't even want to hear us. I mean, Jesus. So. Um, so anyway, uh, I don't know if you caught this on pick of the week, but, um, let me get the fella's name. It was rise Patterson, orange mm-hmm. pepper Jag. He's from Australia, awesome. obviously, but did you see that thing? Yeah, it looked good. It yeah. Really he's, uh, he was, uh, saying that he was going to do a pairing. Um, and, uh, he was asking if this pairing was cool. And uh, yeah, there it is, right at the top. Recent activity. Holy shit! You know, I wonder if this pepper thing mm-hmm. is that peppering that we see in mm-hmm. the red tigers. You know what I mean? No, I wonder if it's the same thing. Is, my question is: Is he's got that orange peppered thing the way he? Um, you've seen that one caramel jag that I had that was so freaky. It's weird that 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 one's got the black speckles in random places, right? Yes. So, what does that mean? I mean, because it's like, I, I mean, I obviously the orange pepper thing looks awesome, but like the speckling happens in certain animals we've seen over here. Like you said, the red tiger, like I have that one caramel check. So, what are we looking at here? Is it something to, dare I say, dinker with? Or <laughs> is it just something that naturally occurs with the variance of the Well, caramel? I think... I think in the caramel you see it because it um, – I don't know. I, I've seen it in caramel, and it kind of looks like there's another picture there. Um, and, yeah, it, it, looks it does like, it, follows the like it has black it on like it. But when you look at, the, when you look at the, that pic where he has it together as the pairing, mm. I don't know. It's just like those that, that peppery look that's well, on the side. It looks like it follows – the saddles, it doesn't look it's like random like in a tiger gene where you just have like three or four black speckles like right in the middle of their back. It looks yeah. like it goes along the pattern. So you don't really see too many black specks that have gone into this guy's back, which is awesome. Right. So right. Uh, it, 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 I want to say it's something that can happen. Does it? Is it going to make more of an impact on the suit, on the caramels that this guy produces? Probably. Um are you, you going to see it in the baby, in the offspring? You'll probably see it in a few, in my opinion. I don't think you'll see it in all of them. It's the way it goes. But um, yeah. well, I think that's why they call it the orange pepper. I don't know if that. I'm assuming that that's the hypo. I don't know what part that plays in it. Um, um, true. It might be. It's not. It might not be caramel. It might be hypo. Yeah, so. that's just a badass snake, though. Man. Yeah, it is. We got some good lord. Yeah. <laughs> It was funny. I sent you a picture of a of a royal python today, <laughs> and I said, "Man, this is cool looking." I was like, "This is cool, this is cool looking," and you're like, "Grumble, grumble, grumble, grumble," and I was like, "Come on, man! If this was on a carpet python, you would." <laughs> and you're like, "If that was on a carpet, you'd take it." I'm like, "That's why you got to grumble." So it's like, yeah. you know. And it, 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 I'll admit, I mean, there was a thing you were talking about with Matt earlier about clowns on carpet python or something like that, or clown carpet, how you want that or something weird. Um, I would take, what is it, the cinnamons or the super cinnamon ball pythons? Yeah. Those would be cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Matt has a couple of those. Seen them. They're pretty neat. Um, looks like we have Lon on the line, so we will stop rambling. Okay. And get him going. Nothing, and, nothing uh, left, idiots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Lon, is that you? 
Yeah, that's me. How's it going, guys? Pretty We're good. How right? are you? All right. Not bad. Not bad. I just uh, I got a little worried I wasn't on the line yet. I had to put the monsters to sleep and uh, hide away in the basement. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No worries. No worries. Definitely. So, uh, why don't we just jump right in? Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into reptiles, personally? Sure. Um, geez, I mean, I don't have that pretty much the same story as most, like, most guys that lived, uh, you know, more of a uh, suburban setting. I grew up in, in Brooklyn in a high-rise apartment, so I didn't have the opportunity to go out in my backyard and, and flip over stumps and, and collect garter snakes and frogs and turtles like that. So, you know, like most kids, I was into, uh, into dinosaurs, but I realized that I couldn't, uh, not even Tom Crutchfield could provide a stegosaurus for me at the time. So I, uh, got the next best thing and I, uh, I got my pet store garter snake and a Northern water snake at eight years old. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And that, and that was the beginning of it. You know, making my weekly huh? trips back to the pet store to get a dozen goldfish to feed them. And yeah. And then ever since then moved on from there to do the step up to corn snakes and king snakes. And probably at about mm-hmm. 13, 14 years old, I was buying, uh, Burmese pythons and bottle constructors. <laughs> Jesus. It's uh, you and Eric are on the same page, just starting young. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. So, what eventually got you to settle on uh, bloods and short tails? What drew you to them? Um, probably about like in 2007, 2008. So, like I said, for years, I was dealing with mostly, mostly corns, kings, and milks, and mm-hmm. uh. When I uh, moved out of my apartment and finally purchased a home, I realized I had some more space and I had more room for caging. So I'd gotten rid of those those berms and the, and, and the uh, bows a long time ago. That was back in the days when everything was in 55-gallon glass aquariums and with French fry eating lamps on top. <laughs> <laughs> those were the days. <laughs> yeah, you know, screen tops, glass aquariums. Um, yeah. I was I was always uh, drawn to the blood. I just remember seeing them in you know, the books when I was a kid, and it just always seemed like a perfect you know mid range size python. Like I said, it's a you got a, uh, a you got the big python experience in a small package. That is something that I will completely agree because I only got one, and uh, she keeps me on my toes. <laughs> so yeah, um, and, 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 and you know what? And she was a pussy cat when she was here, so. I don't know what I did. She doesn't she didn't like being amongst all the carpets, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah, that or she's hungry. Uh, but it it feels like when you're holding a blood that you're missing half of it. So like you're holding it and you're like, I'm going to let this snake crawl through my hand. Oh, wait, where's the rest of you? It's like it ends so abruptly yeah, that you're expecting it, 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 it to continue for another. Of a, of a exactly. Thing. Exactly. You, you know, for people who are used to holding retics and berms and boas, you hold a blood, you, you all of a sudden it just ends too quickly, in my opinion. I don't know where the rest of it went. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was about I, that time, you know, I saw pictures of BPI's ivory blood, and that just blew me away. Okay, so that was it. So, uh, how'd you get your first one? Um, I reached out to Keith McPeak. He's a, uh, now he's out of, uh, he got out of bloods, but he was a uh, local guy to me over here in New Jersey. He's pretty much one of the godfathers of blood and short tail breeding. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I started from there. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. I, uh, what was 
what were your first ones? Were they just normal? Yeah, yeah, my first ones were normals, and then uh, I ended up getting a, with the intention of, of producing my own ivories, I uh, reached out to Tracy over at DPI, and I got a pair of Matrix, which at the mm-hmm. time, that's when it, back when it hurt to actually buy a pair of Matrix, you're talking about uh, $4,000 for a pair back then. Ooh. And that was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you kind of does a, you know, sting now when you see them at two hundred dollars a pair, but Jeez. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you give us a little bit of an overview of your collection as it sits now? You know, what do you got in it, and some of the highlights? Um. Well, I have everything across all three of the uh, blood and short tail species. I have uh, the bronze of. I have ivories, matrix. I'm working also with the Lily line, which is a uh, line bred line of reds that uh, VPI developed. And in the brights, I'm working with I'm working with both the marble and the granite, which are both the uh, the pepper sided morphs of the uh, of the Borneos. I have super stripes. Working also with ghost, a lot of ghost stuff that I got from Keith. Um, also the ultra, which the ultra and ghost, as you guys know, were just Pretty much you're dealing with the same gene, just two separate sound lines. Um, and also, I got a beautiful ocelot line, uh, super stripe from Matt, which I'm raising up and very eager to breed. Very cool. Yeah, and of course, with the blacks, I got uh, the uh, the jewel of my collection, Jet, my uh, male Sumatran. He's uh, pretty much a, uh, a patternless jet black animal, hence his name. And, is that uh, the one at the days. top of your uh, Facebook page? No, that's actually magic. That's that's Jed's daughter, and because right now she has just had a prelay shed. She was bred back to her dad, Jet. So I'm expecting a Ooh. expecting time to stand still <laughs> on those cats because yeah, that is a, that's going to be some some pairing. I'd have to say that's definitely my most anticipated. Yeah, pairing. Eric. Eric might be at your house, so I wouldn't tell him where you live. Okay, <laughs> you know. That's you right. You guys know that. I got. You guys know I got the carpet bugs. So there'll be some. Uh, That's a problem. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we're all good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're we're fine. <laughs> cool. Always always room for more. That's right. Okay, so you have the. I mean, do you work with? You're pretty much got a. Uh, what what size collection are you working with when it comes to short tails and bloods? Um, out right now holding about uh twenty adult breeders. And, okay. Uh, a lot of these up. I, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much you know dealing with a with a small room that I'm working with. So I'm constrained on space. So. You know, gotcha. I, I yeah I don't I don't hold back a lot of stuff and I I I tend to uh, you know do a do a pairing once and a lot of times I'm known for just uh, getting rid of a uh, getting rid of my adults after a pairing. It's a very very schizophrenic way of to run projects, but. Unfortunately, that's how I have to run with my confined space. But uh, mm. it, it keeps me on my toes. You know, sometimes I play it risky. I'll only hold back one animal from a clutch. I'm anticipating on raising that up for a project in three, four years into the future. Yeah, just, uh, now, we were we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago on the show about uh, you know when do you get like when do you move on an adult like so if you're if you especially if you're dealing with you know like pets or you know if you're trying to combine you know different morphs or whatnot or you know if you're line breeding you know like 
when does the when do you say okay well I've, yeah, I've I would have to say, especially with a lot of the uh, the short tail and blood genetics, it wouldn't mm-hmm. be. I mean, it, it would be a lot different. Let's say if you're dealing with with ball pythons, because you're just dealing you're just dealing with just the base genes. A lot of people don't care about the quality of the pastel or, or you know the, the quality of the yellow belly. They're just in it for having the yellow belly gene or having the pastel right. gene. And then if they get the super, they don't need the the codon anymore. Which right. ones is different? I mean, if you if you have a really good matrix. That matrix is going to do a lot for you, not only in just looking to produce the ivory, but just in, in other combos. So you want to hold on to a good matrix, even though it's a codon, and you can get the ivories out of it, and you could be holding back its ivory babies. That one matrix is still very valuable, valuable to you. Yeah, I was going to say, because with bloods, and I, I see it especially in Borneos, it seems that you get such a such a wide variety of... You know, yeah, patterns and colors. Yeah, you get all the, the variability in the clutch. And that's one thing about the Borneos also. Sometimes the most unassuming Borneos will produce some of the most spectacular babies. So yeah, it's, it's a lot, lot like them. carpet python where, you know, you do have to pay attention to what you're mixing together in order to get the best results. Absolutely. And, and that's where lineage okay. is very important. And not only do you Excellent. want to look at the parents, you want to look at the grandparents. Ah. I'm going to go as far back as you can go. Okay. Just, just okay. to know what's in there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I often talk to uh, to Rob Stone, and he 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 is uh, a believer that um, that bloods and short tails have more morphs uh, than, or just as ma- as many morphs as you would see in ball pythons, but because you know you don't have the same amount of people you know, working with them and, you know, it's just sort of pushed off as variability that you don't really see people working with, you know, uh, your projects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you, if you would actually put some of these animals aside with, with, with some of these different appearances and lock them down and line breed them, you, you would definitely see that they are morphs of themselves. Wow. Yeah. Huh. That's crazy. But you know what? It, it with I don't know. It's weird, but I, for me it's not I don't know. I mean some of the stuff that like I've seen in person at Matt's at Matt's place is like not even really morphs, just I don't know. He was showing me uh I guess I'm a fan of like leopard stuff. I, I don't even like that spotty crazy kind of pattern and that's yeah. not even really a morph, I guess. I don't know. Is it? Right. Well, that's that's a lot of his ocelot stuff. That's where it got his name from. His uh, gotcha. his Borneo, his Borneo line that uh, that he proved out. I mean, that that's some amazing stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> no kidding. The, uh, and then you're you're into the not so morphy. I'm into the teenage albinos. And that's like oh, geez, straight yeah, up yeah, morph. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Jesus. So. Yeah, and like I said, a lot of the stuff is still in its infancy. A lot of stuff hasn't yeah. mixed in with the teen eggs yet, and it's only been a couple of uh, a couple of seasons already that just you know most independent breeders, aside from VPI, have, have produced teen egg albinos. You know, just just straight up, let alone have them mixed into any of the morphs. They still haven't been mixed into the lily. They haven't been mixed into the batik. They haven't been mixed into the matrix. Well, I haven't mixed mix the matrix, and that's about it. Just matrix right. and ivory. So, uh, yeah. So the potential hasn't even been reached yet. 
Oh, absolutely. And then the snake you and I will both agree on, Eric, will be the ocelot teen egg albino that Matt will eventually do. No, he won't. That's a no, mix of species. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know. There'll be, there'll be flaming pitchforks surrounding Philly. <laughs> yeah, I figured. <laughs> He's still I in am, carpet python mode. <laughs> I am. I can't help it. So, uh, all right. So yeah, let's no, talk no, about that, that, that's okay. a no-no in the uh, in the bloody short though, community. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I uh, just had a heart attack. Uh, so. <laughs> Which I guess is is, a, is another reason why lineage is important. Um, more so, I mean, lineage where, as far as like having the uh, having animals being suspect of being crosses, I'd say that only really falls in mostly with the uh, with the Borneo stuff because of their face color. As far as the red stuff. If you have right. a really red red, chances are it never has any mixed blood in it because you won't be able to hold that, that outstanding red color. And with the black, gotcha. a jet black animal, chances are will never have had any other mixed blood in it too. The Borneos, because they do have that tan base color, the tans, the yellows, and the browns, the, the hybrids that have been produced, mixing the browns and the brights or or the Sumatrans, along with any of those other two species, produce an animal a lot of times that just looks like a muddy Borneo. Right. So that's where people could be a little suspicious. Right. I mean, people have also taken a, uh, a shortcut to try to make uh, albinos in the species where it doesn't exist. I mean, right now they are T-positive uh, albino Borneo, I believe. Uh, last I heard, Ben Spiegel has one that was a wild seal collected. And, oh, no uh, kidding. But yeah, yeah, that that popped up last year, and uh, wow. so he has that right now. I don't know the status of it. I haven't heard from it. But uh, but yeah, I mean, there was uh, several years ago a T negative Borneo was uh, found. It died shortly thereafter in captivity, which would have been amazing. I mean, that was a beautiful. That was a yellow and purple snake. Oh uh, God. Yeah, wow. that that would have. That I mean, obviously, everyone says things are a game changer, but that absolutely would have been a game changer. Yeah mixing that in with the stuff that we have today. Wow. That would have been awesome. Yeah, could you imagine yeah. a T negative um, or T, a T negative or even a T positive uh, like ocelot or like oh, that, this totally. legit Borneo? Whoa. <laughs> or like uh, I think of uh, the, what do you call it? The, uh, the marble. Oh, wow. That would be wild. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about keeping and your approach um, to how you keep these guys. And I guess we'll start with, um, one of the things that I often get from, from the listeners is, is that they think they're cool snakes and cool looking, but there's a lot of misconceptions out there about, you know, about them. Maybe, you know, you have to keep them wet, all that kind of crazy stuff. So tell us some of the misconceptions about keeping, uh, keeping these guys. Um, yeah, one of the, one of the biggest misconceptions is that they need high humidity that they have to be swampy and i think that'll that's pretty much a quick ticket to a, a respiratory infection you know, keeping them in a in a sealed tub with dripping sides mm. um yeah i think the most important thing that you need with them i mean they, they could obviously stand the high humidity and they do come from places with high humidity but you need to have ventilation along with that high humidity with, okay. without that proper ventilation and good airflow that's where you're going to run into problems Okay. 
And okay, especially so, if you're going to deal with some, especially if you're going to deal with some cool attempts with them, because they can withstand cool attempts. They like cool, a little bit more cool attempts than than most other what you consider tropical pythons. For my okay. my blood, the ambient temp at, at 79, 80 degrees. Okay. So you don't uh, keep a like a hot spot for them at all. No, only uh, my hatchlings are in a vision uh, hatching rack with just the uh, with the heat table on it, but the heat table is just set to 82. Uh-huh. So that sometimes just doesn't even kick on. Okay. But, uh, I, I know uh, that's uh, that's similar to what VPI does, right? Yes, yeah. They, they have like, a, like an airplane hangar where they just essentially eat it. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that okay. must be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I heard, it's a, it's, a, it's a magical wonderland of blood and short tail pythons from people mm. that have been there. Yeah. I can only imagine. With, with so, lots of surprises in the, in the tanks and tubs. <laughs> so, okay, so you're saying ventilation is, is important with these guys. Um, so what are you using for caging? Uh, maybe what are you using for adults and what are you using for hatchlings and Hatchlings are in the uh, vision hatchling tubs. Then it's just incremental housing after that. Once they outgrow that at about six, seven months, they'll go into 15 core tubs, 15 core tubs to 32 core tubs. And then they go up into the uh, ARS racks, which are my three, three foot by two foot. So it's like six square feet of a, a footprint on those. Okay. And that's, that's good. Yeah, it's all, all, uh, all tubs and racks for my bloods. I, I feel personally that that's that's the only way to go. How so? Why so? Um, just just for ease of cleaning. I mean, okay. They 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 tend to. I feel that they tend to be more secure in tubs. They're one of those few pythons that do better in in tubs, most like ball pythons do. Mm-hmm. For the security, and they're going to go underneath. I give them my only substrate I use is craft paper. They spend their time under the craft paper anyway. So if I kept them in caging. Most people I know that do keep them in caging and spend their time underneath underneath the paper on, in a hide. And just the ease of cleaning, I mean, if I mean, guys have a couple of big big bloods and short tails yourself now, and you can see when mm-hmm. those guys let loose of liquid waste, that's like a, no, it's it's a gallon, gallon of, of steaded liquid. And I just couldn't fathom cleaning that out of a out of a four by two front opening cage. And you probably have to put mm. a roll of paper towels just to stop that up. So I like to take oh, my big yeah. tub, just put put them over the uh, put them over the utility sink and hose them out. That makes yeah. a lot I, of sense. Yeah, I'm with you. Too, you know, you know the, the the nice thing about blood short tails is they don't go to the bathroom too often. But when they do, it's like a wildebeest broke into your tub. <laughs> <laughs> I, believe, I think I sent a picture of the tub the first time. The one I got from you on went let loose. I sent it to uh, Matt and Eric, and I said, "I think a Rottweiler broke into my scrap." <laughs> it, it, it's impressive. It, it's a yeah, yeah, it's a fine physiology because I've seen some of their some of their bowel movements actually thicker around than they are. So I guess it, I guess it expands. It wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of nuts. And, and also, and, uh, another big misconception about bloods and short tails is that they're aggressive. I can tell you right now, with every one of my adults, you could reach in and handle them with no problem, just without even getting tagged. And I do attribute that one to temperature. A lot of people keep their bloods and short tails too hot, 
a hot blood right, short right. tail is an angry blood for short okay. tail. You know, I noticed when, if they're kept at higher temperatures, they will be very agitated and, and, and be very defensive. And also keeping them in tubs, just the act of opening the tub draws them out of that altered state that they might be in. Uh-huh. So it, it makes them aware. I've noticed, you know, going to all the friends' collections and, and seeing the bloods that are kept in, in front opening cages, you know, just sliding the glass open, you might not be drawing them out of that state that they're in. And the first thing that they know is that you're in front of them and they're, they're giving you a jab. Right. So, so uh, let me ask you this. What about, how about handling? Because I guess most people that listen to the show are used to something like, you know, a carpet python or a chondro, which is a thin bodied, long, you know, how do you suggest? I mean, for an adult, definitely two hand support and reach, reach from, you're better off reaching down on them mm-hmm. and, and keeping the face away from you. Mm-hmm. Because you could probably, you could probably solicit a, a defensive strike from even the tamest blood python if you want, if you just went face to face with it. Like most pythons, they are, they're, they're very face savvy. Like if you get anybody who works with like maclots or even guys have scrubs and stuff like that, you don't want to go face to face with it. For some reason, they just know that's a face. They can walk into your eye. And, and, and you're gonna, <laughs> they know, they know where to fire. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, it's one thing, you know, just you can't be hesitant. You just got to reach in and scoop them up. And they're not like a, not like a carpet or, or even like a woma. They're not going to crawl back in that. They're not going to arc the head back to try to bite you. They're just going to mm-hmm. strike out what's in front of them defensively. So if you hold, even if you do have an aggressive one, if you're holding it away from you, it's, it's not going to come back around at you. Right. Okay. Um, so ten, what is, what would you consider too hot for? I mean, you, you were saying about yeah. how I'll keep them too hot. Where would it be too hot? I would say yeah. ambient, anything over 83, 84 and ambient is definitely a hot spot. No hotter than 88. As long okay. as you can give them a cooler end down around 80. I'm not okay. saying that you can't, you can't, you know, keep them. I mean, I keep them at, at ambient because that works, works for me. But Correct. if you're going to keep them in, in, in cages, if you do want to give them a hot spot, as long as you can give them that cool end, even underneath 80, you could, you could safely do the hot spot in the 80s, no problem. And you don't, you don't need to go hot in the bed. Right. I think that's probably similar to what most keepers, at least as far as Morelia goes, I think that maybe a couple years ago, everybody has moved towards lower yeah. Lower temperatures that you don't yeah. necessarily I, I, I keep these guys that, so that's been, Yeah, that's been a general shift in, I guess, I've seen in herpetoculture. But yes, like I said, I mean, I, I remember, you know, keeping animals back in the day when everybody thinks, you know, oh, they're tropical animals, they, they need to be hot. And you would have those red French fry heating lights on top of your screen tops, and the hot spot probably was 120 degrees under there. And mm-hmm. to their detriment, they, they would just sit underneath there and bake. And you pretty much have You wonder how... How people had success with them, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, if we were it, it keeping them, yeah, it, it does show their resiliency, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they weren't having a lot of success breeding them, but mm-hmm. as far as keeping them alive, yeah, mm. you had you, you had a nice pile of snake jerky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you find that? Um, I mean, because you're on the East Coast, so in the wintertime, do you do anything to um, offset the dry heat 
um, did these guys, uh, you know, have any issues as far as shedding and stuff where you'd have to spray them or? Um, I wouldn't spray them. I mean, uh, a couple of days before I see they're going to shed, I'll dump their water bowl. I'll soak their paper. But I'm not okay. set up in the basement, so it holds humidity pretty well. But I also do run a uh, a five gallon whole room humidifier in there. Extra set okay. to, I set for 35 percent length of humidity, so it'll it'll kick on intermittently during the day in the winter. I don't even turn it on during the summer, obviously. Right. Okay. But that that's just the benefit for everything else in my room. I mean, I keep a multi species in the room, so I don't want to yeah, humid. Right. For some of the other stuff, if I am keeping up keeping carpets in the same room, I have warmers and answers and stuff like that. So. Okay. Um, what about uh, feeding? What's your approach with feeding these guys? Um, hatchlings. I'll start off on on hopper mice, and eventually work their way up. While they're still in the uh, in the hatchling tubs. They'll get up to the point where once they hit about small rats, then they'll be moved out. But I start everything off with, with mice just out of convenience for me. I don't, I don't breed my own rodents, so it's it's advantageous to me to uh, just economical to buy, you know, the frozen thawed and just dealing with, with hoppers. You know, some of them like to start on live. It might be the first two or three feedings they want to see live, but most of them switch over to frozen thawed, no problem. If I did breed and I did have my own rat breeding facility, I probably would start them on rats. Mm-hmm. But there's usually no problem with the transition over. I mean, once once they're on adult mice, they're already they're already very aggressive here. So switching them over from that point into the into small rats isn't a problem. And then that's usually hatchlings. I'll feed usually every ten to twelve days. Usually hatchlings. I want to see for their first couple of feedings. I want them to completely pass the meal before I feed them again, just mm-hmm. to make sure everything's running smooth. And uh. Moving up to about yearlings, yearlings, they're going to get fed. Same thing about every every 10 days. And then once uh, they're adults, males every three weeks. And females, depending on how you're cycling them for the season, they can get every uh, two weeks. To, uh, every week, depending on the size of the meal and time of the year. Okay. So you do uh, cycle feeding going into breeding? Yeah. The, uh, okay. the, the, the females, I'll start feeding, I'll feeding heavy after if they've laid for the season. I'll give them a couple of heavy feedings after they laid, or if not, regardless, they'll all get fed a little heavier through the summer. They'll get larger meals about every two weeks up until September. And then that's sometimes when I start pairing, depending on the weather. Mm-hmm. And usually... Food no no bigger than a large rat, but most of my stuff is all is even the adults, the biggest adults, my fifteen, twenty pounders are getting medium rats. One thing with bloods, you don't want to feed them usually anything bigger than their girth, because they don't need it mm-hmm. because they're they're very they're slow, slow metabolism, sedentary animals. They don't need anything anything bigger than their girth and especially you know, they don't want to be of course they they will people do feed them rabbits, especially if the females lay, I'll give sometimes I'll give them an extra large guinea pig. Just the only that one feeding right after they lay, but then mm-hmm. everything after that mostly medium to, to large rats at best. Okay. Yeah, I would think that most people would probably think to feed those guys, you know, some of the girths on them things. I mean, you're looking at, you know, <laughs> Burmese pythons girth without the length, and mm-hmm. you would think that they're going to eat a meal that that you know 
<laughs> a piglet or something like that, you know? Yeah, and and, and it, you know, uh, it'll work against them. And, and obese, especially obesity, they're very obese prone because they're mm-hmm. going to max out at about five to six feet. So from there, they're just going to get fatter. It's not like a berm or a retic where you're just going to keep putting a length on them. Right. And as far as if you have any right. intentions on breeding them, a, a fat male is a sluggish male. He probably won't work for you. And a fat female is just going to have have problems with liquid development. So, right. Yeah, they're the best kept lean. I mean, all these animals that you see come out in the wild are they're they're lean and mean. And then you know, probably best case scenario, you know, they're they're, they're eating only uh, once a month and they're getting a getting a lean meal, and they're moving around. So, they, they, yeah. I've never seen I've never seen a, a fat blood or short tail come out in the wild. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's probably another shift in uh, herpticulture is the fact of keeping everything, you know. Lean snakes like, are good snakes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we just, we, we've been killing them with kindness, you know, keeping them too warm and feeding them too much. We've been like uh, overbearing grandparents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess my last question that I'm going to have before Owen kicks in is um, – do you find that there uh, do you find that there's any differences between between keeping the three species um does there certain requirements for one that may not be for the other i'd have to say of, of all three the most one that is the most prone to husbandry error i have to say are the other bronze other red bloods i i i've always said that they're they're one bad husbandry day away from getting sick yeah, and just see, it just seems that the, the blacks are, are are solid, tough snakes. The Borneos as well. I feel sometimes I, I spoke with other people, and maybe it's just a misconception I have. But I feel like the, the Borneos can go drier than the other mm-hmm. two. You could almost keep them, you know, as more like you would. They probably could go maybe a little bit warmer. Just it's it's just something I've noticed. I've, I've never never had any problems with with our eyes with with the blacks or, or the Borneos. The reds mm-hmm. very, very rarely, and it's just, it's, it's easily corrected by just correcting the husbandry, but they just mm-hmm. seem to be a little bit more of a, more of a sensitive in that area. So if, let me ask you this question. If somebody was coming down with an RI, if they noticed it and caught it at the beginning, what would be the thing that you would tell them to look at? I mean. Um, would definitely be the ventilation. Okay. It's, you you have to you have to find that 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 balance between humidity and ventilation. Okay. That's, that's I mean I mean cold weather isn't going to give them the RIs. I mean Tom Crutchfield is is breeding his red blood pythons outdoors in chicken wire cages in South Florida year round. Right. Same as he does with his diamonds. You know, at nighttime they're going down to the fifties, no problem. So it's 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 not the cold weather. It's it's, it's cooling them down without the proper ventilation. I have fans, you know, in all four corners of, of my snake room. I have good, good airflow. So it's you know, keeping them in tubs also with the with the open tops, like in the in the vision and the ARS caging. There's, there's a lot of positive airflow in there. I mean, if you're keeping them in in in, in some of these front opening cages, like like uh, the animal plastic cage and stuff like that, if you don't have enough ventilation in there, that's where you're going to run into problems because it just gets stagnant in there. And once, gotcha. once that sets in, it's correct. That's what's trouble. It's, it's, it's mm. going to be a pain to deal with. Right. Hmm. Interesting. 
varies. Because <clears throat> it's almost like the same requirements we kind of have with the different Morelia species. It's like they're the same, but a little different. So, so Lon, how is your uh, how's your season going so far this year? So far, so good. I had a. Uh just three pairings planned. I usually just, I, I set my goals every season for three or four pairings. That's pretty much about as, about as many uh, actions as I could handle here. Mm-hmm. And uh, of all three, it uh, looks like all three are going to go. I have eggs on the ground from two. And uh, Magic, that was bred back to her dad, Jet. She's just had her, her pre-lay shed, so she's about two weeks away from laying. So it looks like we're going to be three for three on clutches, and not going Knock on wood, everything's good with her. That's uh, <laughs> good. I have uh, my. I didn't do any bronze this year. I did two other pairs of uh, Borneos. One's a a granite pairing. It's a granite uh, offspring bred back that I produced in 2012. A male bred back to her granite mother. So I'm hoping for even more extreme granites out of that pairing. Hoping for the, the goal of operating would just be a, an animal with completely fully fully speckled side walls on them and cool. hopefully see if, if you can get any of that speckling to creep up onto the dorsal, which is obviously you know, a nice, uh, nice thing to see. And uh, the second pairing is a uh, Super Strike Pet Ultra Bright bred to a uh, Marvel Head Ultra, so it should be a lot of uh, a lot of diversity in that clutch. Hoping for some uh, hitting the, hoping to hit the triple there, which would be the Super Strike Marvel Ultra. That's cool. Yeah, which which would be nice. And actually, so, uh, this the sire to that pairing, uh, Eric, is the uh, is also right. the uh, sire to uh, Halloween. So he's, uh, ah. he's been known to produce. He's been known to produce some nice stuff. Oh, that's got to be that's got to be the coolest snake ever. <laughs> I love that shut, snake. He, he would not shut up about it the entire <laughs> way back from White Plains. Like I mean, it's like Matt. Matt's driving. He's like, look at the snake. I'm like, Matt, don't look at the snake. Keep driving. So it's like, you know, that was the, it was awesome. So I, I, I kind of almost stole it from him. So, and that says a lot. There's several snakes I've almost still stolen from Eric. So that's cool. <laughs> would, would that be your most anticipated pairing or do you got another one? No, it would have to be uh, my Sumatran's jet. Definitely. Okay. Just to see uh I mean, this this was his finest holdback dog, bred back to him, and she's she's a a nearly patentless black animal, and she's oh, uh, oh, she's man. his she's his spitting image, and she and he's a a black patentless animal almost. I mean, he he iridesces like a bull, and he's a he's a magnificent animal. So, I, I can't see anything short of all one hundred percent of the clutch just being being stellar. I bred him. I am. Good. Good. No, I'm. I've. In, in the past, I bred him to three separate females. I bred mm-hmm. him to a, a, a chromehead Sumatran, and needless to say, all of his baby. I mean, his his aesthetics just just washes out everything. He's he's a he's the man. I mean, even bred to the chromehead, all the babies came out 100% jet black. Um, when you I, say I, uh, cr- when you say chromehead, what what are you what are you talking about? What do you mean by that? Um. Within the uh, within the Sumatrans, called the incorrectly called the black blood pythons, there's just two phases of the of the Sumatran, which are these are the southern Sumatrans. You have the northern ones, which are the the peach heads, which is a, a, okay. a separate distinct line, which probably deserves its own its own subspecies. 
That's the one where okay. you find the uh, the caramel albino was found within the peach heads. Right. And uh, the southern form, which are the, the black Sumatrans, they'll have a, a phase within it, which could which could just pop up, you know, in indiscriminately in any clutches where they'll, their heads will be chrome. They'll chrome out. It, it could even, you could have some jet black animals that just depending on mood or time of day, their heads will chrome out. You could look at a tank and you could open up your tub at night and the animal have a, a bright silver head and it'll, it'll startle you and <laughs> something else snuck into your tub. Some of them will hold the chrome all the time and some of them will will just chrome in and out depending on that's, the that's time cool. of what? Uh, sorry, Owen. I'm going to jump in here. No, no, because go, go, go. I'm curious with the uh, with the with the blacks when they're hatched out. Are they all? Can you tell which ones are going to be that solid black, um, or do they slowly develop that over time? You could usually tell right out of the eggs which which ones have it. Some of them will will come out. They'll be a little bit on the on the uh, they'll have more contrast. But but don't be right. scared off by contrast. As long as that contrast is black, gray, mm-hmm. silver, and white, you're going to be good. As long as you don't see any brown. I mean, some mm-hmm. animals with brown in it, you'll probably hold on to their brown, and they won't be the blackest of animals. I've seen some animals that did start out brown that after their first year or even their second year are jet black animals. But if you have an animal that starts out with no brown and the base colors that you're dealing with in the contrast are just black, silver, gray, and white, then you're good. Because after a while, they will lose the white, and they will lose the, will lose the grays and silvers. Wow. Yeah. And do they keep the orange eyes? Is that something that develops as they age, or it'll it'll be more intense in the hatchlings, and it'll gotcha. it'll fade as they get older. But it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely a lot more striking in the hatchlings. Gotcha. So I'm surprised it, that they're not more popular. <laughs> I, yeah, I was about I mean, to say, I mean, I like the, I really like the look of the black ones. And is it difficult to pick your holdbacks? I mean, I know with us, it takes us about a year or two to realize what the hell we're looking at when they hatch. Is it kind of difficult to figure out what's going on with you? Um, It is because I, I've had animals that, you know, you, you do get seller's remorse. But I mean, I don't mind. I, all, all my stuff mostly has gone to, you know, close friends and stuff like that. So I, I enjoy seeing them progress. But, um, but normally, like I said, like like Magic, the the girl I held back, I mean, right out mm-hmm. of that, she still she had no no choice but to turn any other color. She came out black, and she was going to stay black. So that's cool. yeah, you, like I said, you can usually tell when they have it. I mean, other stuff is a gamble. At about six months, you can start getting an inkling if they're not losing, you know, and if they start having like you know any yellows in it. Usually that's an undesirable trait if, if you're line breeding for, for an all-black animal, you know, browns and yellows. But right. I mean, like I said, I've, I've seen animals that, that started out muddy brown animals and they have turned turn, black. Yeah, turned all black. So. Mm. That's that's awesome. So and just just what, a, uh, um, sort of an interesting story about. About Jet. No, Jet is actually a, a Craigslist pickup that I have. Oh my God. <laughs> I know they, they those stories never end well. But uh I was uh every now and then I like to troll Craigslist just to just to amuse myself to to see the, the het spider bald pythons. You know, much like a 
That <laughs> <laughs> spider, nice. Yeah, you know, just just to amuse myself. You know, so I usually put it into the search terms. I'll put in Python, then I'll put in Bower, I might put in Skink. But uh, yeah, this mm-hmm. is uh, about uh, uh, five years ago. Uh, I put sure enough, I put Python in there and came up, you know, blood Python for sale, email for ticks. Well, let me let me entertain myself. Emailed the guy for pics. He sent me back some crappy pics. It was just a very dark animal. It could have been the quality of the picture. It was lighting. He was asking 100 bucks for it. It was already a, a full-size animal. He said it was a male. And it wasn't too far from where I work in the city. He says, yeah, you know what? Let, let me go check him out. Let me amuse myself. I, I didn't have any high hopes. Drove up there. The guy comes out of the building with a Rubbermaid tub. Walks it over to my car. Opens it up and says, yeah, you know, it says I wanted to get into blood pythons a couple of years ago, but now I'm starting to realize the best ones are red, you know, so if you really want to, you know, breed blood pythons, you really should be looking to get the reddest animals you can get. So I'm looking to sell this guy as probably just quality. Okay, all right, well, let me see. I mean, if anything, I was expecting a tub full of mites. He opened up the tub, <laughs> right. and I now realize, and, and he's only asking $100 for this thing. It's way too freaking good to be true. Open up the tub and I did my best to hold my best poker face, staring down at this jet black tadmouth adult Sumatra. And I just, I, I took a deep breath and I looked at him and I go, a hundred bucks? And he was like, yeah, I'm pretty firm on that. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. I in Cornish for about 30 years and told me my house down for rent of mine. I was going to bring it anywhere near it. Not in the open. Uh-oh. I think we lost Oh, shit. Yeah. You sound like you're dropping out there for a minute. Right in the middle of a story. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just let oh. him know. But, man. But Craigslist purchases, you know, it was a point where all of my cages were off of Craigslist. So, you know, don't do not rule it. Just know what you're getting yourself into and have a quarantine room. Right. So, yeah. No, there he is. He's back. You know, I don't know. I like I like the black. There he's back. Look cool. I think I lost you. Yeah, there you go. You did. All you right. dropped off. It happened. So. so we heard that you didn't want mites. You were worried about that, and then I think you kind of dropped off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty much I was expecting, you know, for a $100 Craigslist score from a uh, not the best part of town. That uh, I was definitely, <laughs> in the best case scenario, I was going to deal with at least mites and probably some other, some other funky disease. But no, like I said. He's a well taken care of animal. I mean, the, the only problem was the uh, the guy who owned them was wasn't very well educated on the existence of Sumatran short tail pythons, and a damn good one at that. But he's he's probably up there with one. I mean, from what I've seen, from one of one of the top the, the top wow. Sumatrans out there. I mean, it's obviously if you if you're breeding for a breed standard, your goal is an all black timeless animal, and he's he's as close as you're going to get to that. So, I mean, Juan, every once in a while, do you look at him and just go, not bad for a $100 Craigslist animal? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
he'd be my favorite on so many levels. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, 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 I normally don't name my animals. He was the first snake that I named. He's mm. a, he's, he, he holds a special place in, in the collection. He'll, he'll, even when the day comes when I'm no longer breeding short tails and bloods, he'll be here as a pet forever. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the most out of my 100 bucks on him. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of think you already have. I mean, uh, but yeah. Still, that's amazing. Nice. Yeah, that is very cool. So, when it comes to uh, breeding these guys, um, what's your approach that has kind of given you, or uh, that has allowed you to be successful with with breeding these guys? Just the uh, most important thing is let the weather be a guide and, and listen to your animals. I mean, if you read a lot of uh. A lot of care sheets and other breeders in it. Obviously, a lot of things work for different people. But I notice around here, especially here in the Northeast, once we start getting those first storms, usually end of August, beginning of September, my mm-hmm. male and females are turned on, and and you'd be you'd be putting yourself at a disadvantage if if you denied them that opportunity because that's when they're ready to go. They're feeling that big barometer drop, and that's when they want to go. And even still, with, with those early breedings. And they have amazing sperm qualities anyway. And they, you're still, from those early breedings, you're going to get a ovulation anyway come January, February. So, Jeez. Right. And I'll keep them together. I'll put them, I'll put them together. I mean, if we don't have those storms, I'll probably start in October is when I'll start my pairings. But like the last couple of years, we've had you know, hurricanes that hit around here in the beginning of September. Mm-hmm. And they're turned on. So they're, they're going together. And, I'll, and usually in the, those nights where we'll have that, that bad weather with the big barometer drops, everybody will lock up. Huh. So do you find that yeah. it's more do like the that plays a bigger role than say a temperature drop? Absolutely, yeah. I mean it's temperature drop is, is just another one of the cues that you could use. But I mean right, you can't right. deny you can't deny the barometer. That's the one thing you can control. So if right. that's working to your advantage, use it. But I'll also throughout the year, I mean I'll keep them in anyway. I mean, I want to see at least at least two solid locks out of them, and you know you're good. But I'll keep them right. together throughout New Year's anyway. Just on and off, I'll keep I'll keep a male in for a week at a time. Mm-hmm. If I see a solid lock, then I I'll pull him out. I'll give him a small meal. I'll give the female a small meal, and then I'll put them back together. And if you have three or four locks, you you're golden. I mean, if, if you don't, wow. don't get if you don't get eggs out of that, then there's a problem somewhere, and it's not. You've done right. something wrong, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I will also, I'll use, I mean, to go along with my ambient temps in my room and being it is a, a, a northeast basement, I mean, I'm still trying to fight the temps anyway, so it will drop down, and I'll let it drop down sometimes at night into the low 70s, and, that, and that's for, for everything else in the room. I mean, I got wall pythons, walnuts, spotted pythons, sabus, everything, all my lizards are in that room. There's, there's nothing these animals can't take, no matter where in the world that they're from. They're going down to the 70s at night anyway. Right. The, the desert's going into 40 degrees at night, so it's as long as right. the animals can warm back up during the day to get to their to get to their optimum temperature. It's not a problem. And uh, but I'll even every now and then I've mean, I've surprised people with pictures I post on Facebook, temp gunning my animals with the room, you know, being 52 degrees. I'll throw open my cellar doors sometimes and just let them. You know, I say, like I call it, I say, I let them feel the weather. You know, I'll give them a chill for about an hour or two hours while I clean the room. Helps, you know, clear out the stagnant, stagnant air while I'm cleaning anyway. 
does no harm to anybody and if anything it turns them on. I'll notice that night that if I put past the other right after a right after a cool down like that, they will go. I wouldn't suggest keeping them at times like that. I would never do that. But just let the let the room feel the weather. I do it all the time, no problem. Yeah, I think over this past winter there was a picture of you on Facebook with a temp gun and you had like I think it was some maybe, I don't know, fifty or sixty degrees or something and yeah, I think it was, it was like 53 degrees. Yeah. yeah I, I think the caption I wrote is the, uh, the lady at Petco says I'm a rebel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. God. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's all part of the small cues that you can do. You can do spraying. You could spray with cold water. I, sometimes I dump a water bowl over them. These are all the cues that they're going to feel in nature. They, they're, they're instinctual animals. I mean, they're reptiles. They're, they're not smart. They're, they're just they're, they're built. They're built for instinct. And you know, they, what, what they're feeling in the, the barometer drops signify to them that it's breeding season, that the rains are coming wherever they're from, and it just lets them know that, that that's time to go. So if they, they're going to feel it anyway here in the Northeast. You know, you, 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 like I said, you, you'd be at a disadvantage if you, if you didn't utilize that time. There's no such thing as letting them go early. It says, oh, if you breed them early, then you're going to be out in ovulation. That's, that's just mm. not true. I mean, after, as long as you support your females, if you're breeding them that early, as long as you maintain them at a, at, at a good weight, they're going to ovulate to you. And you could see them that you could feed these animals to an ovulation. I mean, even the, I've had, I've had a, last year, I had my lily female didn't see a male for almost two years. So she retained sperm for almost two years. And wow. I, and I, I looked at her, and I could tell the way she was laying, you know, that, that, that season after. And I was looking at her, and I said, wow, she, she looks like she's, you know, she's either building or she's coming up to an ovulation. So I, uh, I started putting a little couple extra meals to her, just, to, so, just so they know that, you know, like I said, they're, 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 they're built on ends to survive. And if they have a couple extra meals in them, Something in their head is telling them, all right, times are good. I could bring some babies into this world. Foods are plenty. You know, that's what mm-hmm. my body do. Let my body do what it can do and give them, give them, the, uh, give them the foundation they need to, to produce those eggs. And sure enough, she, she, she laid a healthy question me. That's the key. That's swear- even longer. I swear by that with my carpets. I swear by that. I'm, uh, it's so cool to hear that that works. That's... It's kind of my mindset, and uh, the first couple years that I bred carpets, I didn't have luck, and I said, you know what? Let me just try this. I, I don't even know where I heard it, and I did that, and ever since then, I, I that's what I've done, and what a huge difference. Like, you immediately see the females, like, turn on. It's like, whoa, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a firm believer. You can feed them towards ovulation. As long as they have that viable sperm, you know, they're, they're, they're retaining it anyway. That's what their body's waiting for. I mean, that's, that's their whole life purpose. Two things are mm-hmm. eat and to make more baby snakes. Right. And they're gone as long as long as their environment's good, they're gonna make those they're gonna make those baby snakes. Yeah. Yeah, that is the objective. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it's, it re- I mean when 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 you break it down to its base, it's it really is not rocket science. And they don't ask for much. They don't ask for much, right. and they don't do much. And if you just provide right. them with a handful of simple things, they'll they'll do what you want them to do. You're golden. Right. So, Juan, how long do you do the um, 
temperature drops are cooling. Like I said, my, my, my room is going to feel it anyway. Right now, I just temp gun my room before, and most mm-hmm. of the stuff right now is I try to keep it up around 80, but some of the lower tubs are down about 77, 78 degrees. Okay. And I'll open, I'll, like I said, I do my, my room freeze outs. I'll, I'll do that for about an hour, two hours, let the room get into the 50s. And I close up the doors, and by the time it warms back up again, it's just an oil flow radiator heating in a small room, about a 200 square foot room. I mean, it'll take a couple hours for, for it to get back up. So they're, they're feeling I'll probably do that about once a week during, during the breeding season, like I said, through, from September through, through New Year's. Once New Year's comes, I know everybody's usually set. I'm not having to breed anymore. Females aren't being fed anymore. I, I'll stop feeding females, but I notice that they're coming up to an ovulation if I can eyeball it, but definitely stop once they ovulate. Hmm. So, that, that, so the ovulation, I guess the cool weather might mess them up, or you think they'll be okay with that one too? No, they'll, they'll be fine with that. It's just that it's, okay. uh, that's where I'm stopping. All my breeding usually stops at I'll pull the males out. If nothing's if nothing's accomplished by New Year's, nothing's going to get done. <laughs> and then I'm just I'm just working towards getting the females to ovulate. Usually my females will ovulate shortly thereafter, usually around okay. the beginning of January. Okay. So now, what would what advice can you have, if any, about giving a cool down without getting our eyes? Like I said before, ventilation. Ventilation. Ventilation is Correct. the key. Because, I mean, if you're going to have that high humidity and you're not going to have good ventilation, and then you're going to throw in cold temperatures to match, then you're just going to run into problems. Right. Okay. And I, now, I, would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't prolong cool temperature. I would never advocate keeping these animals. I mean, they're not diamond pythons. They're not, they're not brettles. I wouldn't keep them at right. the 50s and 60s for a prolonged amount of time. And they're not that kind of animal where they're going to bask and try to get up to their core temperature during the day, and I wouldn't let them get that cold at night. But that's just one of the, one of the few cues I'll just do just to, just to cycle them if I need it. Or even if I don't need it, like I said, I just like to clear out the room, get some fresh air in there. Everybody, everybody, uh, everybody seems to respond well to it across the board with everything. With, with, with the multi-species I'm dealing with. Cool. So um, if you do encounter a respiratory infection, uh, what would you do to try to either fight it or mix it from them or get them better? Um, you want to keep them on a, usually like a no substrate, keep them on a mm. thin film of water. And if you, if you can provide some supplemental heat, you might want to give it to them. If, if I, if I have one, I'll usually put a, uh, put a heat pad underneath one of the tubs and give them a little bit of a hot spot. Okay. And just keep them on like a very thin film of water, and and you got to be you got to be very uh very stringent about about the sanitation with the tub then because it'll just turn to it'll turn to a fetid stew. So you definitely want to clean the tub once or twice a day while you're keeping them like that. Okay. Uh, medication? Is there something you can ask your vet for that you think would help? Or uh, mm, no, I, right. I no, I wouldn't. Uh, I I firmly believe that. Which, I mean, I know there are some good exotic vets out there. For the most part, I mm. feel that that vets kill snakes, and mm. especially if they know about snakes, they don't know about blood pythons. I've heard horror stories of people going to the vet with their blood python, and they'll say, uh, "Your blood python is impacted," and your blood python because they'll feel urates 
all of my, yeah. any one of my of my adult blood pythons, you could feel golf-sized urates just sitting at the vent waiting to come out. And they'll come out mm-hmm. when they're ready, and it's not a blockage. But every person mm-hmm. I've seen that's ever taken their blood python to a vet, that says, oh, this, yeah, their blood python's impacted. It has to be passed. I've had people told that they're, oh, those, those are... Uh, those those are uric acid stones. That's a sign of gout, and they'll treat the animal for gout. Oh, yeah, that's not that's not good. <laughs> okay, yeah. not good. I've I've never had the need to to go to any antibiotics. Like okay. I said, I've only heard horror stories about. Well, treating for gout when there is no gout counts as a horror story in my opinion. Yeah, but all right. Yeah, I'll take that one. That works for me. Um. Now, you said that you put the boys in with the girls for, what do you say, about a week? And you cycle them out? Yeah, or, or, until, or until I see a solid lock, and then I'll pull them out, and then I'll give the males a, a small feeding. You don't want to give them a large feed because you want to you want to keep them with their eyes on the prize. You don't want them bogged down with digestion. <laughs> right, right, right. You don't want to be in, like, you know, after Thanksgiving meal kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you cycle through with multiple females? I, I don't. I do. I do one for one. I mean, I, people have had success with two. I wouldn't do more than two. I believe it was a. Uh, it was a uh, Tracy Barker says I rather breed one female than not breed three. <laughs> yeah, that yeah that makes sense. <laughs> you know, which which is I, I usually have my my pairings are usually always planned in advance, mm-hmm. and I yet haven't had a reason to put a male to multiple females. Okay. Well, that, but it, it can be done, and, and people do it. I just I haven't had the need to do it. I'm I'm sure they would do some retention. You could do early in the season. You can get yep. two solid locks in on a female from your male, rest them a little bit, and then a couple of weeks later put them in another female. I'm sure you oh, would do it all. And people do do it, but I haven't had the need yet. Like I said, I I only shoot for like three or four clutches at best out of my blood mm-hmm. and tail because that's what I have to deal with here. So that's. I haven't had to do that yet. Mm-hmm. I, I want right. to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have variety with your pairs as opposed to, you know, three clutches all sired by the same guy would kind of be yeah. like it, It's nothing that I couldn't wait. Yeah, it's, it's nothing that I couldn't wait the next season to do with that male anyway. So. Right. Okay, so. Is there any. Was... Go ahead, okay. Eric. <laughs> I was going to say, with the sperm retention, is there any issues with, um, uh, like, you know, you're saying up to two years, is there any issues when it comes to, uh, you know, doing a pairing that uh, the paternity of the uh, offspring? Oh, it, yeah, it, it, it's an absolute uh, concern, sure. I mean, if you're, going to, if you're going to continue to breed a female every year, yeah, it's definitely a possibility that. You breed a one year to one male in the next year. Absolutely. Well, that's annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Has there been, um, I guess with morphs, I mean, you're pretty much, it either is or it isn't, you know, but. uh, hmm. Oh, that's interesting. That would, that would really be annoying if I'm trying to breed my female. If there's one male, she looks gravid. She pops out eggs. I get all excited because of this is the pairing, and then the eggs hatching are from the guy from last year. I'd be kind of pissed off. So, you know, I think it would be cool. What if you're waiting for that pairing, and then she drops eggs from the guy from last year? You know, 
Has there ever been like a dual paternity clutch? Has that been uh, seen? Not, not that I know of. Okay. No. Okay. Not now with Lexi Swanson. I know. I know the whole Python guys do that because they 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 all the you know, who's your daddy clutches and they're throwing male after male <laughs> running the train on these poor girls at a two hundred grams and three months old. But uh, no, nah, oh. but anybody has done that with Lexi Swanson. No good. <laughs> so, what size clutch are we looking at here for these for the girls? What's, what's an average clutch size? My average female is usually about twelve to fifteen pounds, and you're getting an average clutch of about eighteen to twenty-two out of them. I know guys that breed females mm-hmm. bigger. Like uh, to me, these are uh, infamous for, for raising his girls up to thirty pounds, and he'll get he'll get clutches up to forty eggs. Um, 40. Yeah, but you, wow. <laughs> yeah. 40 yeah, eggs. done better than that. And I, I've known somebody that's done better with the Sumatran clutch. I think they had a couple of years ago, they had uh, 53 eggs out of the Sumatran, which has to be a wreck. I've known no one, of, all, of course, all three species that is, uh, that's gotten that many eggs out of, the, uh, out of anything out of the Curtis complex. Wow. It's a lot of eggs for not a lot of snake. So, yeah, exactly. I mean... <laughs> Uh, I, I think I've seen numbers like that in my carpet pythons, but they got another like three feet on a blood. So, uh, cool. yeah, the uh, the Marblehead Ultra Borneo this year, she was she was at best ten pounds, and they got eighteen eggs out of her. And you're looking at eggs that are you know that are size of small potatoes. So yeah, it was about about uh, half the body weight was eggs after she laid. Uh, yeah. Do they do the females recover quickly after egg laying, or is it kind of like you got to you got to kind of take care of them for a little bit? Do they look like yeah, yeah, so, 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 yeah, some of them yeah. look pretty rough. Yeah, like, I get like a deflated in the tube, mm-hmm. especially especially when you deal with smaller ones. When you're dealing with an animal around ten or twelve pounds, they they look pretty rough. Some of my bigger females, like you know, some of the twenty pounders, when they lay, you won't even notice that they lay eggs. <laughs> They're fine. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. So, um, egg setup. Um, what do you do for the eggs? Do you maternally incubate with these guys, or do no? You I, I haven't. The... That's and that, and that's one of my biggest regrets. But I, you know, I, I've yet to see them where where I feel comfortable leaving the eggs in with them because I've mm-hmm. never really seen. I mean, you really don't get like those tight beehives like you guys might get with the Morelia or, or yep. some of the other pythons. It's usually a loose scattering and. You know, you'll have your, your kickouts, and a lot of times, I mean, I have all success with my kickouts. It's just they're very sloppy with laying the eggs. I call them the spray and pray. They'll go all over the place. They'll, they'll get the sun that'll, they'll, they'll adhere together, but a lot of them aren't adhering in a nice pile. They'll just adhere flat all over the tub. And so, yeah, so I, uh, I artificially incubate. I, I, w- I would okay. like uh, one of these days. I mean, that, that would be my goal. People have done it with success, but. I'm waiting for that one day when I do see a nice female on a nice tight beehive. I just think that, that their, their body shape is they're so short and fat. I don't think their their body shape is maybe it's just in captivity. It's just it's not conducive to to, to maternal incubating to get that nice tight wrap on them. Mm. Even even still as as lean as we see them, they're not as lean as they are in the wild. And then I don't know if they they're suited to do the job. But I think once okay. I do see it, when I open up a tub and I do see a nice tight, nice tight beehive coil on, on eggs, I think I'm going to leave my female. 
cool. So how do you set up the eggs in the incubator? I uh, I still go old school. You know, even mm-hmm. wait for the Mickey Lights of Water. I tried the uh, the uh, the uh, ink, the uh, suspended method, the egg crate mm-hmm. method, a couple of years ago. Didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. I know some I mean, so some people use a press and seal and zero ventilation in their egg cases and stuff like that. I I set them up in deep vermiculite, halfway buried. I usually separate the eggs if I can. I like them out all nice, lined up nice and neat and numbered. And uh, halfway buried in the uh, in the vermiculite with uh, two ventilation holes on each side that I'll tape up for the first three weeks. And then after like three weeks, I'll remove the uh, tape off of those ventilation holes just to get them. I think the, the first part of, of, of incubation, I think hydration is important. And then after that, once the eggs start developing and they start ventilation becomes more important and they're not going to dry out as much at that point. They're starting anyway okay. about like a month and a half. They're going to start their natural dimpling anyway. And once you get them to that point, they're good. So yeah, like 88, 89 degrees. Okay. Yeah. So normal python temps. Yeah, yes, yes, standard python. I mean, looking at about 60 to 63 days. I don't cut my eggs until I see the first pep. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they could go lower. I Last year, I've noticed somebody that incubated at room temp. They did the old colubrid method, and they just put their, uh, put their egg tub on top of a shelf, and about 65 days later, 100% hatch rate. And that was hmm. about, you know, 80, 82 degrees. So wow. they, they can go lower. Huh. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. I might have to try that. <laughs> no, no, I recommend it. I've had perfect success. You know, standard, standard Python operation, EDA that right. Uh, yeah, just doing the other nickelite to water, equal weight ratio. You know, squeeze it till it's a little spongy in your hand and crumples up. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're good. They're, they're they're pretty solid eggs. Cool. Okay. Very cool. Um, let's talk a little uh, a little bit about some of the morphs. Um, you've hit on some of the things that you're working with uh, earlier in the conversation. Is there anything that you're working with that we didn't hit on? Um. Um. No. No. I'm looking for work with the uh, with the Browns, just uh, working with the uh, Batiks. You know, last Batiks. year I produced the uh, the Batrix, which was the uh, the Batik Matrix combo with the uh, the double visual of both of them. That was from breeding yeah. a uh, visual ivory to a Batik male. Uh, 18 egg clutch. Eight of them came out to be. They were all going to be Matrix regardless because they the the dam was a visual ivory. And everything that came out was going to come out Batrix. Was, uh, it's a code down, so everything Batrix was going to come out Batrix. Was going to also carry the Matrix gene, so eight of them were Batrix. And uh, awesome. Yeah, I mean, as, as as you could tell, uh, Eric, you got one of them. They're, they're visually stunning animals. I think the uh, the Matrix gene really cleans up the Batrix. It cleans up that back pattern. It's kind of like yes. a uh, like a like a red and yellow granite berm. Really, really, uh, <laughs> that's why I like it so much. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> yeah. I think 
really nice. And like I say, the way describing it, it's amazing the depth of pattern. You can just stare at them, and it's almost like 3D. You can look into different different levels and layers into that pattern. They're really a really good looking animal. Yeah, I think. I, I think with that's the, uh, Oh yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. no, no go I, ahead. I, I, I was going to move on to, to something else. No, no. Yeah, go ahead. Shoot it. No, no, I'm saying I'm also working with the uh, in the Bronx the uh, the lily, which is a uh, which is a lionbred trait, but it's also shown to be a a co-dominant. Which uh, Matt Turner has worked them also. He works with DPI stock, and he's he's proven out what he believes to be a super adult lily, which is just an even more intense red animal. And the characteristics of the lily is just a the field of red is is a solid red. You don't get any of that that black mudding or tipping in it. And just okay. where there are the blacks, the black is very striking, and it just it acts as like a like a turbocharger, kind of like a like a like a an enhancer gene, kind mm-hmm. of like in the you know, when you're dealing with uh, the royals, as you like to call them, the, uh, like the yellow belly or the, or the pastel, yeah. it just really amps up anything that it gets added to. It's like a lily matrix won't look like a normal matrix. Aside from the coloration, it'll also, it'll also freak out the pattern a little bit. Right. Which is really nice. That's cool. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I hear that come up a lot, lily. Um, I know uh, Matt's working with some of that stuff, and I've seen that. Yeah, he has some nice stuff. There's a little really albino stuff is, is outrageous. Because like I said, where it cleans up the red field, especially where yeah. it shows through in the albino, and you really get a clean, a clean, bright red animal. Yeah. And once once the uh, once the tea neg lilies come around, which I, I believe Matt Turner might be uh, close to maybe doing it this year, that is uh, uh-huh. uh, an absolute stunner. Because all that all that black, which is very striking in a lily is going to be all white. So, and with the red, wow, this is going to be, that's going to be a nice animal. Wow. That's really, uh, that's really cool. I like them a lot. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, what else, uh, what else you got going on as far as, um, the red stuff, anything, anything that you maybe don't have that would, that you would like to get? I don't have any golden eyes. <laughs> so if anybody wants to just oh, no. nail me a golden eye. Golden eye? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that is I, a like, cool morph for sure. Yeah, the cool morph and, and the super, the uh, the magpie. That is obviously a long-term goal. That's a, that's a beautiful animal. Yeah, yeah the super. Of the uh, golden eye and also the uh, the pixel, uh, Chris McCarrick goose, which is the batik golden eye, which is it's just a, a beautiful representation of just both morphs combined. The way it, the way both both morphs combined just to be equally patterned on the animal. You had the, the pixelated pattern of the batik on the side of the animal with just the, the golden eye pattern on the back. Yeah. Yes, I, I when when he produced that in post pictures that I just I drew I literally did I sat in bed and I, I drew my sounds nerdy I dreamed it out but I, <laughs> I I couldn't get out of my head. That's funny because that's probably my favorite blood python morph. That oh, hands yeah. down is probably the coolest. That's just oh, an awesome mm-hmm. looking snake. Yeah. Okay, so you have them in your future. Is that something you're going to be uh, working with maybe one day? Uh, yeah, yeah, eventually. Golden eye in there. 
Yeah, yeah, eventually. I, I don't know what I'm waiting on. I'm probably going to get one of those, but soon enough. Very good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, there's there's always those snakes that we're always shooting for that uh, Tell me about saying, it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'd like to get that. And, <laughs> and well, the, the thing is, then you get it, but then something else catches your eye. Absolutely. Or on right. your way to get that snake, like on your way to Golden Eyes, you ended up getting carpet pythons. So it's like you, you turned left a little bit. Yeah. So <laughs> that happens a lot too. So you, you totally understand this. So Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I went a little crazy on them recently, haven't I? <laughs> not well. You saw me walk away from White Plains with, uh, with 13 deli cups in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, that was awesome. It was like... And I love it because someone came up to me and was like, who's that guy? I'm like, he's just getting started, but damn, he's just getting started. So it's like, that, you know. That guy is going to be trouble in about three years. Give him a couple <laughs> years. And, and, of course, I keep joking because you're the only guy who's, like, systematically bought from me and Eric. So it's like I keep joking with Eric. I'm like, you're, you're, you're pretty python. going to be pretty with mine. They're going to be swarming, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't worry, Eric. Uh, I keep I keep all in stuff in a separate tub that I call the project. Oh, thank they're God! The <laughs> I, you know, they're my creatures far away from me. Yeah. Dainty little good. Yeah. yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, mine are probably twice the size of yours, but anyway. Yeah, it's <laughs> probably they're true. In a, they're in a perpetual breeding quarantine. That's awesome. <laughs> Oh, Owen. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but since that day, I've probably uh, bought twice as many carpet pythons. So, uh, yeah, I, I, that's slowly but surely coming up. I, I anticipate, you know, I have a, a house move coming up, so I have a, a envision a new snake room soon with some slick caging. That's pretty much mm. why I wanted it. Yeah, that's also why I wanted to get into the to, to the Morelia. You know, just for the for the purpose of having some nice cage with some nice visual animals that I could actually see. So yeah, I'll have my, uh, hopefully I'll have my blood room and then I'll have my, uh, my Morelia room. That's cool. Yeah. Multiple nice. rooms. If I can, if I can, yeah. if, I can <laughs> if I can convince the wife right now, she's very tolerant. My, my snake room is also the utility room. So it doubles as the, uh, the washer and dryer in there. So my poor wife, who's not a fan of the snakes, after, you know, when she goes in there to do laundry, she's uh, she's uh, tormented by savu pythons popping at the tubs as she walks by. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and all, all I hear from her down there is, ah, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> every time she walks by and they're popping the tubs. Uh, like she jumps every time, even though she knows it's coming. She knows wow. it's coming. That's awesome. Not for her, oh, but wow. it's still awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, how about, uh, Borneo genetics to me? Uh, these are confusing. <laughs> I really get confused on, um, Borneo yeah. genetics and as many times as it's explained to me, it's kind of like, there's no really. And, and there isn't, yeah, they don't, uh, they don't subscribe to the, uh, the principles of, uh, of Mendelian genetics. They didn't uh, read the uh, book. They didn't, they didn't read the book. What <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it seems uh, to be more that it's 
it's more levels within the morph than than codom and dominant. And okay. that's what it seems to be. Because it seems like, especially when you're dealing with the, the genes like Ultra, Latte, Ghost, and Ocelot, which are pretty much all along the lines of the same genes from different founding lines, it seems like the further you go down the rabbit hole and breed and line breed them, you know, working towards a more patternless animal, that seems to hold true with, with you know, four of those. With that gene. Would that be... Would that be similar to what you would see in, say, a butter, a lesser Mojave type of thing? Oh um, no, because that's I think is not just going to bring you to a uh, resistance. Okay. Well, as far as that, I mean that that's the, I mean those are they're very similar. Yeah, like some different founding lines. Like I know there's a lot of you know arguments or, discussion between like uh, coral glows and bananas, which are probably. Oh uh, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which are probably they're, they're one of the same genes from just different founding lines. I gotcha. Know sometimes there were different pastel lines floating around. There were different caramels within the uh, within the bloods. That, I mean, within the balls that were floating around. But uh, yeah, so you were just dealing with different founding lines. Pretty much the same thing with the uh, with the ultra latte ghost and and ocelot genetics there. Okay. okay. I also deal with that. I, I work with with granite animals and they also work with marble animals and, and they also don't say, you know, it used to be the, the thinking was that granites were recessive and marbles were a codom and it, uh-huh. it just doesn't, it just doesn't hold true to that. It depends what you're breeding it to. I mean, if you're doing, like when I, I bred granite to granite, I'll get all granite animals. If you breed granite to something other than granite, you might get no granite animals in that generation and you might not okay. get them in the next generation. Some way down the line, it just it all depends on the other animal you breed it to. Not saying that that other animal is a granite carrier, but sometimes right. the ultra gene might bring the granite back out. So you might have pop out some animals that are ultra with the side speckling on them. Okay. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's, it's right, That's why I say with a lot of these, especially with the Borneos, you want to look towards not only the parents but the grandparents, just to see what you're dealing with and just to see what you can get. You could set your goals. Like the right. pairing that produced the, uh, the Halloween break that you have was a, I acquired a, it was a, uh, a super striped blonde female. Actually, that's the one that you also have now. Uh, that I got from Nick Bikini, which has a stellar red head on it. So my goal yes. with that breeding was stripes have been made. I don't need to make any more stripes. If you want stripes, just go to Minnetola, who has the best stripes in the business. I'm not going to compete with those stripes. So right. my goal was to produce other animals with that really fiery red head. And I uh, ended up getting a male from Matt Japonsky, who had a, a male head ultra that in itself was a very unassuming looking animal. It was a, it was a super stripe it wasn't a tight striped animal. It had a very broken back pattern. It wasn't a, it wasn't a fine-lined animal. And it itself didn't have a red head. But its mother had the reddest head that I had ever seen on any other animal. So just knowing that that genetics was in there, that was the goal of my breeding was to produce red-headed animals. In turn, I produced a... That was a very eclectic clutch. I produced a Halloween bright, which I called it. There's another one which I have, which I call Link which has like a broken chain link pattern on the back. It's very, very black, black, which is also getting, it's, it's almost coming up on, you know, about a 10 months old and it's getting a fiery red head. 
And how is the uh, right. Halloween? Is it getting? Is the red coming in on the head? Yes. Yes. And uh, which, which hopefully so. Which by by the time it, it, it's two or three years old, hopefully we'll have that really nice fiery red head like it's like his mom does. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a that's an awesome snake. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's the and then I saw the one I guess the one you're talking about link is the one that you posted maybe a week ago or so. Yeah, and it kind of has the same color pattern. Um, but you know, the pa I mean, the color is the same, but the pattern is just different. Yeah, it's more of like a chain link like spider webbing pattern on the back. Yeah, that's uh. That's really cool. So I guess it's just, I, I guess the, well, the cool thing, I guess, about the Borneos is, is that you really don't know what you're going to get. You have an idea, but. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like, that's, uh, especially you know, being a small time breeder. I like variety in the clutch. That's right. what I love about the Borneos. That I can put together two unassuming animals, but just depending on its lineage and what generation that you'll get. 18 babies, you're going to have 18 different looking animals. Right. Wow. And that's why I enjoyed it. That's how That's because then you have projects on your hair to choose to work for. Because you're going to have some of them that are going to have stripes. You're going to have some of them with some other funky back pattern. You might have some of them with the speckled sides. Ultra ghost type animals. That, that's all. Hmm. What would be the characteristic that makes something say an ultra? Is it just the the, the uh? Well, yeah. As far as like I said, the uh, the four genes you're dealing with: the ultra, the latte, the ghost, and the ocelot. It's it's the coloration. It's a it's a creamy color base pattern. Sometimes gotcha. Grayish or mm -hmm. silver. They'll have a uh, usually the uh. The dorsal patterning will be different from, from a normal Borneo. A lot of times they'll have just a, uh, a dorsal, they'll have a stripe on the dorsal ridge. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. And it's, it's a, lot, a lot of metallic colors. There'll be metallic silvers and metallic golds in it. Now, how does the uh, the blue ghost, how blue does that ghost fit in a, that? Uh, that was a line refined by Keith McPeak from his original founding ghost line. And he just, through, uh, through his line breeding, he just developed animals that would have this purple hue to them. And that some of them, when they turn on, they are, they are amazing animals. I'm sure you've seen some of, some of Matt's. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and when they turn on, they are on. I mean, they are, they are purple people eaters. They really are something to look at. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I guess pictures don't do them justice and it's kind of like one of those things where when you see it in person, you're like, holy shit, that is cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> awesome. Okay. So I guess really, the, and, and another, I guess another cool aspect of it is that you can just kind of like uh, look at a trait that you'd like and just kind of sort of breed towards that. And, you know, um, I, you know, with, with Borneos, it seems that you can, really re do some really nice refining in uh, certain traits. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if, if it's cool. your goal, you could work with two genetically striped animals that just have a single stripe, kind of like also like, like you're dealing with, with carpets, like the tigers. You know, you produce mm -hmm. 
two two tigers together, you're going to get you know some animals in the cluster. I need even tighter stripes, cleaner stripes, tri stripes. Uh, that's that that's been proven also with the Borneos. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of exciting things. I mean, you're not going to the, the genetic the genetics aren't solid. Whereas like like I'm hoping to produce you know just by producing uh you know breeding a marble head ultra with a super stripe head ultra. My goal would be obviously an animal to be super striped ultra with marble sides. It's not it's not going right. to work like that. It's it's I mean I might get an animal that resembles that, but it's not like you're dealing with clean genetics like you're dealing with in a ball python where you you throw three genes into the mix and it's clean and you know exactly what you get before the thing hatches. Right. Right. Oh. Whew. That's... And that's and that's what's so interesting about the Borneos because no, no no two people's Borneos are going to look the same. I mean, pretty much now at this point, I've, I've been doing this for such a long time, I could just look at a picture of an animal and I could tell whose line it's, it came from. I could tell if that's hmm. a Simmead animal, if that's a Keith McPeak animal, if that's a VPI animal. Right. So, Did it just come, after, well, come over time? I mean... Yeah, yeah just... Yeah, just the, uh, they're, yeah, just the refining of the lines. That's kind of cool because if you put the work in, you really can stand out, you know. Uh, and have your own formula. Yeah. That's, oh, absolutely. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. They've come a long way. I mean, you look at some of the stuff now. I mean, you look at some of, of Matt's ocelot stuff. And you look at where it is now compared to, you look at a, a wild-caught, normal Borneo. It's it's light years away from, from where they came. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know you know what's crazy is i remember i remember going to i've i've had i think the thing that sucked me into uh to short tales is uh i think of two incidents and the one the first one was i think when matt first posted up a picture of the ocelot the first year he produced it I'm, i just was mm. totally blown away like what the hell is that you know um, um and then i remember going over it's funny because I, I i was talking to matt for a while about you know getting into uh getting into them and uh you know i asked him if i could go over to his place and, and check out what he's got going on and you know he was you showing and you had posted up a picture uh i guess it was from last year's breeding season where you kind of had three different you i guess you had a Batrix, the you know that uh link and yeah you know you know that picture <laughs> I, didn't, yeah. I didn't even really know you at the time i just saw that picture i said matt i like that <laughs> right there <laughs> whatever that is i want it yeah <laughs> i'm like who's this guy and what is that because that is the coolest group of snakes i've ever seen in my life and, yeah, uh, that was just the uh, the the one the one holdout from each of the four clutches I produced last year. I uh, took that. Yeah. So it's just the uh, you know I don't know it's just that's just crazy that uh, I don't know now I have that the animal in my collection and I get to see you know I don't know it's just nuts, but uh, that is uh, or an animal from that pairing, um, but yeah they 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 are just. Whew, awesome animals. Yeah, and that, that's the crazy thing about morning. It's really different. Somebody else. Unique animals. 
Yes. Very cool. So um, I saw that you were working with uh, with Womas. Uh, have you bred those guys? Oh. Oh no, not again. Up. Oh, he dropped. And you know what? I don't know if he'll be able to call back in. Because we're that far in. Yeah, let's see. We'll give it a. I hate not saying a proper goodbye. <laughs> I know. It upsets you so much. I, well, it's not fair to the uh, to the guest, you know. I don't want to be viewers like uh... and the guest, and he wants to throw his own stuff out there and such. Oh, oh there he is. Let's get him back on before uh, we get cut off. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> you back, Lon? Hello. Oh, we lost him again. Crap. He might have, he might have a bad out. connection. It's like yeah. a time clock. I see it. I see it slowly counting down. Oh, no. <laughs> to when we're not going to be able to get him in. Yeah. Oh, God. This is on but, par, uh, but, you know, blog talk change or something. We, you know, have a show where we have technical difficulties and we have to get back to it. There he is. Let's see. The, okay. moon, landing, the moon landing had to be a sham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Out 40, 46 years ago, they beamed back live television from the surface of the moon that was never done before. <laughs> and, and, and it was in black and white, but it was clear. And I'm on an iPhone in the center of the biggest city in the world, and I can't even catch reception. So. And, <laughs> it's, it's, and it's from New Jersey to Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, far. yeah. Uh, that's crazy. <laughs> Oh, so <laughs> anyway, um, I was saying, uh, did you were did you uh, produce Walmas? Have you bred them yet? Or are you just uh, no? I haven't. I haven't bred them yet. I have a uh, reverse trio of them. Probably uh, okay. next year. I'm gonna. Uh, uh, probably. Be, I mean, they're probably ready this year, but I didn't do anything with them, so probably next year. Uh, yeah, I love Walmas. They're great. They're, they're they're like the perfect python. I I, uh, I hear that a lot. Uh, why do you say that? What's what's your feelings? Just their uh, their durability. They're nice. They're a nice oh, dry okay. animal. They don't they don't muss up a cage. They uh they just their size. It's yeah. It's I mean I always always look at some of my snakes and you know different species and I go, you know I would just like to just have a whole room of just these. And sometimes I just look at them <laughs> and I go, why don't I just have fifty walnuts? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, never mind. <laughs> yeah. And then something else, you know, catches my eye. And yeah. And then get to put the rest. Nah, but yeah, but Womas are great. That's cool. Yeah, it's hard to find people to, uh, that, that really, I don't know, there's very few people that, there's people that breed them, but you don't really find people that are like, again, really, you know, ref- working on refining. I think of Barry Miller. I know his Walmas are yeah, amazing. That's, that's the line of stuff. Yeah, I have my 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 Walmas are from Barry Miller, and I know uh, oh, RK. I don't, I'm not sure if his a uh, name out in uh, California. He has some amazing, amazing stuff. Really nice, clean, mm-hmm. banded animals. Yes, yeah. they're two guys I that like I think them. of. Yeah, I just love them. Man. They're, they're issue-free animals. They eat every time. They're garbage cans. Yeah. I mean, I'll have a, no problems. I'll, yeah, <laughs> no problems. I mean, if I'll have a, uh, 
have a, uh, you know, a, a rat that goes uneaten that I'll find in one of my tubs. I'll just throw it to one of the warmers. They like them nice and ripe anyway. So yeah, nothing, <laughs> right. nothing goes to waste with a warmer in the house. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I kept them for a little while, and I wish I would have kept the pair that I had. I had uh, Barry Miller ones as well, and I shouldn't have let them go. But one day, you know, when space is uh, – is, uh, of issue you have to pick and choose certain projects and See, that was one that didn't I'm make glad the... mine are gone because they were psychotic so i'm totally cool that they left and they'll never come back so uh, that's what you say yeah, um... you know, i gotta say I'm, I'm, I'm lucky with my three mine and mine are pretty pretty calm i mean they will do like the woma chew where they'll just slowly run their oh, nose over you. <laughs> they'll just sniff at you then they'll just clamp on but yeah it's cute yeah, <laughs> it's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, any other cool things you're working with that maybe we don't mm-hmm. know about? Um, I got a uh, Sabu pythons. Love oh, they're cool. Sabu. Yeah, like little mini robots. Yeah, I'm not a. I don't think I'm a ready to set up to, to go full blown maclots and do the last <laughs> So Sabu's uh and nice, I like them. Um, yeah, get some olive pythons. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to get some albino olives. Those are beautiful. Oh, one day. Maybe, yeah. maybe in the new house, maybe. I'll, I'll see. There you go. Space, <laughs> like, or, <laughs> present to you. Yeah, you know, buy it for yourself. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, I have a spot of pythons. I got both the uh, Cape York and the granite phase. Okay. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, yeah. I like those. those. Those, those are great. Also, you know, those are like a, those are like a python and a corn snake package. Yes. They're great. <laughs> if if those got a little bit bigger, I mean, those would be. I mean, they're great too. Never refuse food. Durable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I think with, I have a. Go ahead. I think with the. Uh, I was gonna say. I think with all the uh, talk of the big snakes and whatnot, those I see those type of species becoming more and more popular over oh, the absolutely. coming years. Yeah, and, and with the, and with the morphs coming about, I think uh, from what I hear, the albinos should be making their way stateside soon. So uh-huh. spotted. So I'll, uh, that'd be cool. Yeah, that'll what, be cool. What's that? What the 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 marble children eye? Those have been ones since, like, they showed, uh, since we shot, shown pictures of them for the first time, have been ones yeah. that I always thought would be cool if they showed up here. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they got the Just like cool. everything. Yeah. Just like everything, and, uh, eventually it will. Yeah. Well, now you know, I also be have patient. a... I unabashedly yeah. have a, a small amount of royals, I'm uh, proud to say. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Eric's gonna tell you that that's okay. I won't. So you know that's. <laughs> you know what Owen is, uh, is not a fan, but I am a fan. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, they, they've they've always been a they've always been a figure, a staple in my collection since the beginning. I mean, I just had a a male normal that just passed that I had for 23 years. Wow. Uh, yeah, and see, you know, I mean, I, I couldn't give two shits about the ball market. I think it's funny that I was able to take there you a go. banana mail this year for three hundred bucks, knowing that. that oh was, my god! <laughs> knowing that that thing was thirty thousand dollars only a handful of years ago. Are you yeah, right? Two hundred. Oh, I mean, three hundred bucks. Ah, picked up a banana mail. 
Yeah. Yeah. I just get, I, uh, really, I mean, I know everyone says, oh, they're for the kids, but to enjoy them. And if they want to hold a snake, that's the one snake I can hand off to them, no problem. I'm not, not going to, you know. So, yeah, they're, they're good. They're good ambassadors for the for the show and tell. So. I'll agree to that. Yeah. Oh. They, I, they have a special. Um, uh, what would the word be? Um, I guess maybe nostalgia for me because, like I said before, when I was getting into – when I was a young kid, I remember going to a pet shop, and this, they had a pet ball python, and they would not sell it no matter how many times I asked. And nobody worked with – you didn't see them anywhere. You know, you go to Martin's Aquarium or anything like that, yeah. you would not see ball pythons. You'd see berms. You'd see – I've seen retics. I've seen all, you know, all these other – uh, you know, crazy pythons, but nobody really gave two shits about ball pythons. And I don't know, it's just you look in that book, boas and pythons, or pythons and boas, or whatever, and you know, and just there's like a picture of it sprawled out. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. You know, I don't know. I don't even care so much about the morphs. I just like the normal looking ball python. <laughs> yeah, but, and you got these—they're still pythons, and they were around for a. Sixty thousand years before a bunch of idiots made a uh, you know a shitty market based around them. So <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you can't yeah. hate on the animal based on the uh, no like, work. Yeah. Hate on the people, not the animal. What the <laughs> <heck>? <laughs> hate people? Don't hate the animal. So I'm with you. I'm with you, Lon. I, I, actually, it's funny today. I didn't take a picture because. I don't want to hear Owen, you know, yelling at me or whatever, but uh, it was actually a year ago. Well, it was about a year ago. I bought these snakes and uh, <laughs> the shipping and whatever is always just not worked out. But I got a uh, pastel het desert ghost and a het desert ghost pair. I don't know. There's something about that desert ghost thing that I just, I think is cool. I, I understood about half of that, but go on. So. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's something different, you know, at least for me. I'm used to dealing with carpets and, you know, all these scrubs and, and whatnot. And to see something like that, it's just, it's just different. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm, I'm 15 years late to the game. I produced my first bumblebee this past season. That's oh, the only <laughs> And that was really something I wanted. I mean, after seeing, you know, after seeing Nerd when they first produced them, when they were like 50,000 bucks for that thing. You know, it's, I mean, right. for, a, for, for a two gene combo, that's one of the nicest, you know, Ball pythons that actually may even hold on to their pattern and color. You know, pretty right. much everything else is going to look like a normal after three years, no matter what it started right. out looking like. Right. Yeah. Well, like my day has come. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out, people. <laughs> there I come with my bumblebee. Yeah. Uh, awesome. All right. That's cool. Um, uh, I guess it's you, Owen. Cool. So, Juan, if you could keep any species on the planet, regardless of law or money, what would you keep? Oof. Um, Wagglers, vipers. What? Love them. Wagglers. <laughs> yes. Wagglers, they're cool. cool. Love them. Cool species. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jeez. Well, that's a first one. I mean, you know, that's that you've had some crazy, crazy things, but that's the first one. Yeah. Um, now, if you could go any place on a herping trip, where'd you go? 
Australia. Australia? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Nice. Just to see some of this stuff in the wild would be outrageous. Yeah, just, yeah. just to walk around, just to see a, you know, a monitor run past you and see a, a blackhead python you know, slither into a hole, that would be... Yeah. That would be cool. I'm with you. And um, how does someone get in touch with you if they want to track down a blood or uh, anything like that? Um, on Facebook, with my name, Warren Dexler, D-E-I-S-L-E-R. I can find me on any of the other uh, blood python groups on there. Or also uh, curtisforum.org. I'm a, uh, a moderator on that site. It's an excellent anybody interested in blood and short tails. Sign up over there to... A fantastic forum. A lot of uh, a lot of knowledgeable people. Keith Matique is also a uh, a moderator over at the forum, and he's, uh, he's very willing to help. Like like I told people, having Keith Matique at the ready to answer your blood python questions is like having Babe Ruth on speed dial to answer your you know your, your batting your batting questions. <laughs> and, 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 and he, I mean, aside from aside from blood and short tails, and he's a uh, there's, there's not a, uh, a a snake the bread short of the bones and he's working on it now. So, you know, oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really great forum. You know, it's really uh really good. Cool. So, Lauren, uh, you gonna try to make it out to uh, Carpet Fest? I know uh, Matt would kind of like it if he wasn't the only uh, blood guy out here, and you have more carpets than he does. No. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, was it? Uh, the uh, May 30th. Yeah. Yep. Of course, I'm just, Uh-oh. you know, I'm, I, this, oh, see the jab on the carpet thing just to get Matt pissed again, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might have lost him again. Again? There oh, there there you hear me? Oh, you no, again? there you are. Okay, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Uh, Yes. Yeah, I think we lost you again. No. Uh, well, Jimmy. In and out. Oh, oh. Right. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, oh, quick. Yes. Thanks for coming on. Before you cut out again. Um yeah. It, it was awesome. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking with us, Bloods. And uh, we got to have you back on when you start producing carpet pythons because I want to see the, uh, you know, the switch between the two, how you take it on both. Ah, absolutely. Cool. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'll definitely catch you over at Carpet Fest. Okay. Please do. We get Thanks, Lon. the info and stuff. All right? All right. Have a good Thank night. You. you too. You too. Cool. Bloods, Borneos, oh. Sumatrans. I love it. You know, good? you know what's good is that I already have a blood, so we won't do that thing that we do or keep doing where we have a show, and then like a week later I buy what the show was on. So, <laughs> Well, you don't have a Borneo, good. and shut you up. don't have a Sumatran. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, you know. No, you're not. You just, I, I found my little... Let me be happy in my bubble. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, Lon's a cool guy. He makes some awesome mm-hmm. snakes. Uh, yes, he does. So uh, you should 
check him out on Facebook. See what he's got going on. I'm uh, definitely digging the black ones. Like, because uh, you have a, you have one of those, right? Yes, I have a female that came from uh, Jackson, um, mm-hmm. which is from uh, so, from Kara. So you should talk to Lon and get a male this year, uh, sir. When have you known me not to uh, be planned ahead and advanced? I'm I sorry, have already like spoken to Lon. Four in the tone book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, jackass. I'm so that you didn't even know I did that. All right, well, never mind. <laughs> and I'll have you know it's page two hundred and thirty-five. Thirty-three. Ah, oh, damn it! I was off by a few pages. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you had the. Uh, <laughs> What do you call it? The what? <laughs> your magic tone book. Yeah. <laughs> With your quill pen. Yeah. It's it's important to plan, my friend. It's important to plan. <clears throat> Makes a difference. Um, yeah. Uh, ever since uh, I saw, if you go over to Lon's Facebook page and you look at the top, you'll see uh, that black Sumatran with the orange eye <laughs> staring at you. Ever since I seen that picture, I knew that uh, you're done. I had, done. I had to work with uh, with some Sumatrans and to try to get ones that were, uh, you know, that jet black. I, like I said, I'm surprised they're not as popular. You know, I guess people like the color and the contrast and whatnot. But come on, man, a solid black snake. It's hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Hard to it, it, beat. It is. It is. It is. I mean, but, uh, you know what? I, I would normally insert my. Uh, it would. I'd love to see it on a carpet python color thing here, but just the shape and of the head and the eyes that go with these things just make it even better. So. Yeah. The. Yeah. Uh, I am a fan of the uh, orange heads, though. I like that mm. contrast. So I kind of like mm-hmm. them both. And hopefully one day I'll be able to work with both. I know. Uh, oh, I, I don't doubt it. <clears throat> I know that uh, they're not easy to find the the orange headed ones, unless they're caramel yeah. albinos or hets, which kind of, I believe the hets are kind of like they throw some goofy stuff, kind of like yeah, I guess like het exanic. You kind of, you know, can tell what's going on somewhat. Um, I believe they're the same same story. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I got nothing else. And <laughs> right. there uh, we go. I think we should uh, just go. So Carpet Fest t-shirts, we hit thirty. We did hit thirty. Okay, we hit thirty. We hit thirty. I'm kind of surprised um, that uh, we didn't sell more. That we haven't blown past it. We only have till the 9th of April. So um, I do know that uh, Darian, well, I don't know if you took care of him or not, because he ordered, he and his wife usually order two, and I didn't know what was going on with that. So I got to talk to you about that one. No, this is all but, your deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, so we are at 30. We have 20 more to go before we hit our goal of 50. Uh, I usually set the goal pretty low for these kinds of things, because usually people who are just coming, but it isn't just. If you're coming to Carpet Fest, you can just grab it. Um, it's one of those things where uh, I was wearing my original T-shirt for the original Carpet Fest the other day, and it's cool just to have them all 
you know, of course, we didn't miss one year where we didn't make T-shirts. But um, it's cool to have them all, and it's something to kind of look back at. And if you do not get these now uh, and you send me an email, it, you can't get them after this. It's not like after Carpet Fest we're going to have tons and they're going to be cheaper. This is it. If you do not order it now, you have to wait till the 2016 uh, Carpet Fest T-shirt, and it will be a different design. So you cannot get the albino carpet python on the T-shirt. Uh, unless you order it now. Like how last year we had the gray shirt with the jag on it. Um, we are going to change it up for next year. So if you want it, go get it. Don't wait. Right. And all the proceeds <laughs> go to USR. Go to USR. Right now, right. I think we've raised $140. Um, I'd like that to go a little bit higher, especially since we're going to go to the auction will be for USR as well. And, uh, you know, please, please contribute. You get a cool T-shirt, and your money goes straight to U.S. Arc. Um, and we're going to put it towards the uh, legal defense thing. So Yes, yes, all for that. Um, and we'll be getting together uh, stuff for the auction very soon. Uh, if you want to contribute to the auction, drop me a line. Uh, also, if you have any questions about Carpet Fest, drop me or Eric a line. Uh, from what I hear so far, it's going to be a pretty good time with all the people that are coming. Um, I will admit one thing that Howard Redding is bringing Maryland crabs and then Mike Curtin is bringing New Jersey clams. So all of a sudden this has become a seafood, seafood affair. And I'm <laughs> so okay with that. I'm totally fine with yeah. that. So Likewise. Awesome. And it, it's I'm really expecting Josh Easter to head down with some lobsters. With <laughs> lobster. Exactly. I mean, what, what, what's next? I mean, God, that's, it's fantastic, but um, <laughs> the funny thing is that we haven't had Mike Curtin out to one of these things before, and if you've ever been to White Plains and talked with Mike, he is a really cool guy, and he's um, got some of the craziest looking jungles you could ever see, so I'm definitely happy he's going to make it out to this one. Um, yes. He's bringing the kids and the wife, so it should be a fun time, uh, and it, it's just going to be a good Time. I can't wait for it to, to come about, and I've already started working on stuff around the house to prepare for it. Um, so if you want to come, definitely come. Also, we have the Sunday after Carpet Fest, we have uh, the behind-the-scenes tour of Reptiland in Allentown. It's Clyde Peeling's all-reptile zoo. Um, are how many, I think there's like maybe two or three slots available to go with us behind the scenes. Uh, we'll yeah. to check on that. If not, we can always try to set up another group for behind the scenes. You wouldn't go with us; you'd go in a different group. So, uh, but we would need. To I want to go with you, Owen. I want to go with you. <laughs> you, that's going to be annoying. <laughs> so, um, of course, if we're going to set up another group, we're going to need more than like it can't just be like the ten of us and one of the guy. So, it's got to be people who might want to do it. Otherwise, um, draw straws. I can, Eric. I mean, that's fine with me. It's, Totally cool with that. Uh, so high end. You might be cool with that. Group. Uh, yeah, well, I, <laughs> anyway. Listen. Oh, jackass. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, uh, Carpet Fest is, uh, is gonna, I guess, is going to be a change this year. So I'm hoping that um, people that maybe didn't want to drive all the way to Maryland don't have as far to go uh, now in being in Pennsylvania. 
<clears throat> and actually, Owen, you're not all that far from uh, from Maryland, right? From Buddy, you're what? An hour no, away? not really. So, like there was a there was so, when you guys went we went at the Buddies around uh, Christmas time. You guys took like an hour forty minutes. I took like I'm sorry, I guess it took like two hours forty minutes. I took like an hour to get the Buddies. Yeah. So you know, it is a little bit closer to Maryland than you expect. Yeah. So um, I guess I guess the cool thing is is that uh, you can network. Uh, you know, with uh, with uh, the people in the uh, carpet python world on the east east coast, you know, and um, hopefully, well, we know Bill's coming, so uh, mm-hmm. Bill's a that's uh, the first one. Multi species guy. Carpet fest t shirt that fits, but um, that's between <laughs> me and Bill. <laughs> yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, just to be able to hang out and geek out about snakes and. And just, you know, things that you think and talk shop and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, to get to know the people on a personal level, you know, have a good time, laugh, you know, uh, you know, eat, drink, you know. Be married. Yeah. Yeah. You can't beat it. Don't wreck my house. But um, it's one of those things (laughs) where it's and and of course, we automatically say. You know, you're, do not bring snakes um, that you intend to sell. Do not think that this is, you know, the best way for you to unload a box of animals by bringing them here. Um, so no. this is not a show. This is fun. This is enjoyment. If you end up yeah, selling yeah. snakes just by talking with people, that's totally fine. Don't set up right. a booth at my house. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I told you not to do that, Eric. <laughs> so, yeah. um, it's, I was just going to set it up right at the bar. <laughs> smash that high-end crap. But anyway, uh, so it's just, it just come, relax, and have fun, and uh, it will be a good time. And, of course, uh, my snake room will be open. Uh, we can show people around, check some stuff out. Uh, I might have some species that you do not uh have never had interactions with um you can handle the white lips at your own peril um i won't be touching them but that's yeah. some of the things Good that luck with do. That. it's also something cool to happen it's gonna be fun so um yeah and, and it's just one of those things that we hope everybody comes out for um and uh you don't necessarily have to go to with us to um clyde's place on sunday but if you do that's even better um, and please let me know if you guys need help finding hotels in the area, uh, work out for, uh, anything like that. I can try to do it for you. Search around. Okay. Yeah. Except for you, Eric. And you, you have no help. <laughs> yeah. And don't forget the, uh, Northwest, uh, yeah. carpet fest is now officially yeah. September 12th. Um, stay tuned for more details about that. But, yeah. Uh, um, so we're going to be putting you in a crate and shipping you Delta to Doug out there, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yep. Would you like a magazine inside your crate? Uh, I'll take the complete carpet python book. Please. Okay. Do we need a heat pack for you? Will you stay warm enough? Um, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't have the thick coat that I used to have, so I might need maybe a 20-hour heat coat. I mean, a heat okay. pack. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll give you a 72 because we're friends. So Okay. Man, you're yeah. swell. And, and maybe, maybe two air holes. I uh, hope I don't uh, show up on Monday, the day after Carpet Fest, because that would really that'd suck. That would be hilarious. <laughs> I hope Aaron I'm not delayed. Here. 
what he's lost. Yeah. I'm delayed in shipping or something like that. Yep. It would, would be Erickson, uh, Tennessee. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That'd be funny. <laughs> he's at the South Carpet Fest. Oh <laughs> uh, no! No, it's supposed Someone to be the Northwest. Time for Eric. Yeah, he's at a. Yep. Uh, good times for sure. Yep. Um. <clears throat> Uh, let's see. Let's wrap this up, I guess, and yeah. head on out. So you got your Carpet Fest info. Uh, follow us on Facebook, uh, Carpet Fest. Follow us on Twitter. Same thing, Carpet Fest. And um, we also have uh, carpetfest.homestead.com uh, for updates and more info on all the Carpet Fests that are happening. Uh it's good to see uh, just the community, you know, getting together and grow. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll just be traveling all around the place. Oh, and oh uh, my God. Yep. Yeah. Uh -huh. Which is fine by me. Yeah. Um, I don't have any money. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> I guess we got to sell some snakes. Yeah, uh, happen. So uh, let's see. Morelia Python Radio. Uh, next week, I am very happy. <laughs> To have, uh, I believe Jay McClear from oh Best my God. is going to be coming on and uh, chatting with us. Uh, so uh, very cool to talk to Jay. Uh, I saw awesome. him at White Plains, and he has some uh, some really cool projects that he's working on. And uh, yeah. you know, hopefully, we'll get to talk about it. And um, he's uh, he he breeds uh, he breeds a lot of different. I believe he breeds boas as well. Um, carpets, boas. Uh, he I know he's worked everything. You know, if you diamonds, him, jungles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's for like five minutes. All of a sudden, you know everything. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was quite impressed with these. Uh, his um, attention to uh, detail when it comes to selective breeding for specific looks or traits or. Uh, you know, in carpet pythons or whatnot. So uh, be looking for that. Um, we have uh, we have a couple other cool guests. Um, I have to solidify a date, but uh, Tim Tim Tyndall is going to be coming on at some point, and we're going to be talking uh, inlands, inland nice. carpets. Uh, so that should be should be cool as well. Um, I'd like to get some more uh, blood and uh, short tail talk. Uh, I think that would be uh, would be cool. Uh, still trying to work on that uh, round table, uh, mm -hmm. having uh, the guys talk. And of course, we'll have to have another carpet round table so that we can have Nick on and we can all right see, yeah. say we're not worthy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're not worthy. Yeah. No, we're not. We're not. I mean. Get every question answered immediately. Oh well, this is a weird. I, I told. <laughs> I really wanted. I really wanted Nick to come on the round table, the Condro round table. That's what I wanted him to come yeah. on, because okay. his views on Condros are a little bit different than say some of the people that we've had on the Condro round table. And it's not that I want to see them fight. It's just that I like the discussion. It is. Yeah, I, I think that yeah. the. The discussion is is what pushes uh, pushes the knowledge forward. You know, I mean, if everybody just agreed on everything, nobody <laughs> it would be kind of a boring world. Uh, but yeah. uh, 
yeah. the fact that people have different views and different ideas. And I mean, just tonight, I learned a bunch of stuff from just listening to Lon that I that I never thought of. Uh, you know, it's just it's just listening to all these keepers and breeders and 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 picking their picking their little minds. If you can get one tip per show, uh, I think then the show is worth it. So, uh, and then to have four or five different uh, breeders on and I don't know, just be throwing ideas back and forth. That's kind of the idea of the round table. So that uh, is the idea of the round table, but you know, every once in a while we do kind of go off on a little side thing, but we always come back. It's okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. So uh, for us, MoreliaPythonRadio.com, uh, you want to get in contact with us, best ways to send us an email, info at MoreliaPythonRadio.com. You can download the show for free on iTunes. Um, apparently, if you uh, – I think we've narrowed this down, but uh, apparently if you're listening to the show on the Blog Talk site and it's on your phone – you're only going to get a few of the past episodes. So you'd have to go ah. to your, like a desktop computer and then it will show you all the past episodes. Or you okay. can just go to iTunes and you can get all the past episodes. They're all there. All archived uh, for your listening pleasure. Um, uh, that's it for uh, Morelli Python Radio. You can like our Facebook page. Follow us on mm -hmm. Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. Morelia Python and uh, Morelia Python Radio uh, for Facebook. Um, as far as myself, uh, ebmorelia.com. Uh, I have a lot of work to do on the uh, websites. The season has been kind of crazy, and I kind of have been focusing on the snakes, so I'm sorry that the websites are not staying where they should be, but uh, <laughs> we're not all change that. up to date. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I have a lot of ideas and there's a lot of pages that they're not turned on and, you know, all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. But, uh, you know, sometimes you have to choose, Owen. Do you want the website I or know. the animals? <laughs> you know? I know. Uh, I know. So uh, I have some uh, cool pairings. Um, probably the best way to get updates from me is to go over to the website and I have a. Uh, uh, newsletter that I send out. Uh, so you can check that out. Sign up for that. Uh, there, whenever I release things, like say if I was going to release any tiger head albinos, they would be released through that first. So mm. you might want to uh, <clears throat> to subscribe to that. If you want to get in contact with me, it's eric at ebmorelia.com. Um, uh, that's all I got. I got, you know, if you're interested in any of the clutches, you can go to the two th 2015 uh, pairing page, the breeding page, and you can check out what we have. And uh, if you see something that you're interested in, by all means, contact me and uh, I'll put you on the list. <clears throat> um, that's all I got. All right. Uh, what I got is you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. We're in the process of updating it, redoing the animal bios as we shift over some of our projects. There's a few other things. Uh, also, we have all the babies that are for sale on the website. Um, you can also go to rogue-reptiles at facebook.com. Give us a like there, and you'll actually get a more up-to-date uh, version of what's for sale at the Facebook page. 
usually we put something up there first and then we throw something up on the website and then it goes out to the general public. Uh, right now, we just threw up two of our black phase white lip mails, uh, surplus mails that are for sale, and those are only on the Facebook page for now. Um, so that's that. Um, you can also give us a call, uh, check us out, and do all that fun stuff. For shows, I think the next show we have is April 28th in Hamburg, Pennsylvania. Other than that, we are showless at the moment, so... Now would be the time to spring on a baby. Uh, as far as the 2015 clutches, I have no freaking idea what's happening over here. So um, <laughs> stay tuned for when that happens. <laughs> um, I, I, at this point, I can't even say perspective, like uh, like pairings or anything like that. It's just I'll let you guys know when eggs hit the ground what the hell the parents were, okay? So... Um, <laughs> Just and you guys can we can figure it out from there. So that's all we got here, um, and that's all I got for me. And what we will say is thank you all for tuning in, and we will catch you next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night. Hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Exotics. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin and Marklin and I create the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit thereptilereport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is... It's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our Buy It Now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad that also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buying or selling? Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live, on-time arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit thereptilereport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder, then visit shipreptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related.